No? No. Not a big fan of good music? What? <laughs> I'm actually... Is it? It's the sound of silence. Oh. oh, man, I'm all over the place. Hold on. Glad we're just testing the audio quality. So how's your week going? It's fairly busy. I'm trying to cram five days worth of stuff into four. So I'm taking Friday off, of course. For the Kentucky Derby? Yeah. It's already well, this week? Yeah. Um, Seems like so we the, just had it in September. The Derby, we did. And the, the Derby's in, uh, is on Saturday, but the Oaks, the big race for the girls, is uh, on Friday. The girls. Yeah, the, the lingo that um, you adhere to being a professional well, horse they're the, gambler. They're the fillies. Oh, I see. But if I say Philly, maybe not everyone understands that it's female. I'm not everyone. Oh, you you mean our audience right. listening to us in 16 different countries, one person per country. Per I country. can say it's it's for the Fs. Oh yeah, for the. <laughs> oh yeah, they spell Philly with an F, right? Yes. In horse racing, uh-huh. not with a PH. What no, is a Philly? It's a young female horse. No, no. Uh, the Philadelphia Phillies are they just uh, like? I would imagine it's Philadelphia. The Philly. Yeah. Okay. But their mascot, I think, has a horse head. Or no, he doesn't. He's the crazy green the fanatic. Yeah. Yeah, the Philly fanatic with the long green nose. He's a funny one, though. Yes. What's your favorite sports mascot? <laughs> you already know mine. I'm biased. Uh, oh, are you? If you remember his name, I probably don't. Yuppie. Yeah. The Montreal Expos. The big orange guy. Uh, <laughs> He no, used I've never to troll been a people. Huge sports mascot guy. No, the because Broncos got a mascot. I had like a horse head thing, something. Ugh. But a lot of places do. Like the one that's for the Rangers is like a horse head. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that makes sense. The Texas Rangers did ride horses and stuff. Yeah, it's been a slow news week, right? I read a little bit more of that report, but there ain't nothing going on out there. Uh, news wise. Not a whole lot. Nothing caught my fancy. Just I, you know, summer of eighteen sixteen caught my fancy this week. Yeah, you sent me a couple of berating texts, like, oh, "I wonder what Sasha would say about the summer of eighteen sixteen. They went down a point seven degrees." I'm like, uh, "That's a point seven degrees Celsius, which is like three to five degrees Fahrenheit, Fahrenheit, sir, or something like that." So there was a volcanic eruption in eighteen fifteen, mm-hmm. and then what happened? Uh. Filled the stratosphere with dust particles, blocked out the sun. So in the summer of 1816, the sun was not visible. Where was the volcano? Indonesia. Hmm. And the entire world. Most of the world, because it's we're talking Europe and east coast of um, t- of the United States at the time. Maine for us was the most affected by by this crop failures everywhere, like Thomas Jefferson. Almost went bankrupt during this time because wow. of crop failures. Like you can directly correlate this event with uh, Indiana becoming a state and Illinois in the next year becoming a state because people fled from uh, Maine to the Midwest. Oh, I see. And at, at this time, you know, we don't have a big train system that is pumping grain or whatever crops in from the Midwest and the plains. Yeah, transcontinentals really sett- in the mid-19th yeah. century, yeah, right? We haven't really settled it yet. And, hmm. uh, and, you know, keep in mind that people have no idea why it's this way. No one, you know, 
knows that a volcano erupted and has put two and two together to go, oh, this is why this is happening. The news of the world wasn't traveling via, you know, telegram or anything quite yet. Well, whoever was in in Indonesia to (laughs) uh, witness this uh, died. Oh, yeah. (laughs) How many people died? Uh, they they estimate about ninety thousand there from the eruption the itself. Island. Yep, from the okay. eruption itself. That's fascinating. Hmm. It is because you're just you're thinking about. So this is also I was telling you like this could arguably be when the horror genre um, became invented essentially because it was in that summer in uh, in Switzerland where. Um, couple of famous writers kind of got together on, um, and they were sort of try, telling so they really couldn't go out and be out and about because of the conditions so they sort and of they were sat depressed. around so they sort of sat around uh, you know the fireplace so to speak uh, trying to scare each other with tells and and that's um, Mary Shelley was one of those people Lord Byron was one of those people so Frankenstein comes out of this summer uh, vampire, which eventually becomes Dracula, comes out of that fireside chat, so to speak, between those guys. I could see the Dracula thing because, you know, um, the whole sunlight uh, affecting vampiric creatures and the lore around that being built up. That's interesting. Well, and Galvanism? Calvinism? Though, no, that's a religion, I think. Yeah. Uh, the other, the thought of a. You know, that's when people are starting to figure out if I take something dead like a frog and I put electricity to it, its legs move. And there's Frankenstein. Right. And that's really big during that time. Wow. Wait, so you don't believe the vampires are real? <laughs> I'm just saying the story that became vampire. Vampire, yeah. That, that spawned Nosferatu. Yeah. Hmm. What do you think of vampires? It's a like, nice concept. Not, uh, modern vampires are a little different. I mean, there's people who just, you know, cling to the lifestyle of a vampire. And there's probably people out there that drink blood and stuff like that. Oh, yeah, there is. But the actual vampires that could have existed in, uh, you know, mid-15th, 16th centuries. You think there's any merit to that? Mm, zero. None? Yeah. But do you believe in Bigfoot? Yes and no. <laughs> What's the yes part? The concept of a wild man still being in the woods somewhere. Seven feet tall. Seems plausible. The seven foot tall part of it. um, You know, I got a new shirt. My wife got me a new shirt like last week or week before last, which is, you know, it says hide and seek champion on the front. It's Bigfoot, you know. (laughs) (laughs) So all the sightings, though, the video, those are just like. I, uh, I don't think there's one video that's been deemed legitimate because you know the whole uh old video from that they got with the the bigfoot walking away from yes. the creek right yes. that that they came out and said that was bogus a couple of years ago huh. but they filmed that you know on purpose high levels of tephra in the atmosphere tephra is fragmental material produced by volcanic eruption regardless of composition Ugh, this this does look pretty miserable to be alive in it's 1816. Like the, it's like the like on a the way they do volcanic eruptions, right? It's on a on that scale, it's the second most explosive destructive volcano type that happened. It wasn't a super volcano. Krakow. 
It wasn't a super volcano, but it was just a step down from a super volcanic explosion. I gotcha. So if I Google uh, most violent volcanic eruptions, this will be number two? Well, we don't know really what it was. We just know based on what it put into the atmosphere, what the explosion might have been. Tambora is the deadliest eruption in recent human human history, and that's this one that we're discussing, claiming the lives of 120,000 people. April. 1815 April's a weird month. Yeah. And it affected the and the the biggest effect was the summer of the next year. Right, because the ash and the yeah. overhang had sort of saturated everything. That's crazy. Which natural disaster um not scary or frightens you? Which one are you actually legitimately like fearful of occurring to this planet? Yeah, it would be volcanic, volcanic or um you know an Earthquake. asteroid not really not worried about a big 9.0 well i mean that would be just a little bit regional right that's true yeah uh, even if it occurred on the west coast it wouldn't really affect us it'd be terrible but yeah hmm. it wouldn't have a huge impact on the world per se yeah asteroid is crazy i that love talking about asteroid asteroids. large volcano both would have an impact of the pretty much the, the entire world incomprehensible measures <laughs> So many good movies on all these things. <laughs> and we're about due for another big volcano, by the way. Uh, but we're always due for a big volcano. We are. Always due for a big volcano. We're, we're overdue for, a, for an asteroid, too. That I would agree with you on. We saw that little flash in the sky in Russia a couple of years ago. That was a meteorite that... That crashed, that didn't do any damage the, or anything. Well, it blew up over the city, I think, or just outside the city. Yeah. But we loud. are due for something, like, damaging, I would say. Celestial. Yeah, seems that way. Feels that way. Feels that way. Maybe we shouldn't be putting it out there in the universe. Why? Wow, it's too late. This is, like, <laughs> well. the 10th reference to an ELE that we've had on the show in the last <laughs> couple of months. I mean, it's intriguing to me. I, um... Yeah, I mean, it's somewhat inevitable, isn't it? Yeah, at some point. Mm-hmm. It, it, do, it know, does get my mind jogging. Like, Well, with certain things, if they, if they happen on a slow enough process, for example, uh, the volcano type that is in Hawaii, right? It goes slow enough to where, even though it might destroy homes that were built in certain areas, you can kind of deal with it. Yeah, you can mitigate right? somewhat. And, you know, people aren't going to like this, but uh, even with rising ocean levels, it's happening slow enough that we can probably deal with it in a, in a way. Oh, but yeah. with, a, with a volcano or an asteroid impact, it's immediate. And there is no buildup or, or slowness. Is that true, though? To the deal. Yeah, if you know the asteroid's coming, you can. There, yeah. Well, yeah, now we could mm-hmm. attempt to deflect it. Attempt, yeah. Yeah. But there's but, no precedent for that that we know of that's right. not, you know, released to the public or anything like that. Even though I believe that we've been deflecting asteroids for uh, at least 30 or 40 years. Ones that have been deemed, you know, somewhat hazardous to... I do believe that. Mm. I know. It's tough to, like, say that in order for that stuff to be happening, we would have heard of it. Uh, the public would have caught some wind of point, it at some point. Somebody might have leaked something. There'd be some underground book. There'd be... Well, the CIA stuff and the National Security Agency, and this would be NASA and probably other uh, world agencies, they seem to release stuff like 
when the public's ready for it. Like a lot of the early uh, 2000s, 21st century CIA stuff that was released talking about MK Ultra experiments from the 60s and psychological research that they did. It just felt like it was like, oh, okay, people are ready to hear about this now. And maybe people aren't ready to hear about like some of the close calls we've had with uh, with disasters from space, perhaps. And maybe that's why Aliens is taking so long is because, I mean, you can frighten a lot of people with uh, saying something like, yeah, we've been in contact with aliens for a while. <laughs> since the 50s or, the, or earlier than that. We have a lot of stuff, um, technology from them. And shit, it's how we power um, half of the smart devices in your house <laughs> while we're at it. Um, I don't know. It can be a little intimidating to some folks, some of those topics. I wish it wasn't, but it can be. You know how last week when uh, I mentioned, um, you know, LSD and people using it, you know, in a business sense, you know, there was a CEO that got fired or at least he got fired in 2019. And it's sort of making news now. Mm-hmm. And uh, he got fired because of putting low amounts of microdosing. LSD. He was microdosing LSD. Which I didn't realize until I read the article, but um, what's his name with Apple was huge on microdosing. Steve Jobs. Steve Jobs was huge on microdosing with LSD. Well, hmm. that's fascinating. LSD is still a controlled substance here. You can't just take it. I don't know that I ever would. Anyway, I thought that was interesting. We mentioned it, and then like this week, I see a thing about the article. Well, you know the CEO meandering effect. You know how it works. Fired for taking LSD at work. So anybody who might have listened to that and thought, eh, no one takes LSD. Here's the CEO. It's funny. My uh, that's algorithm stuff happening. I'm sure to some degree. <laughs> it has to be. My algorithm has been dead in the last couple of weeks because all I've done on my phone is listen to. Music. I don't know, man. Your horoscope was pretty good. Nah, you thought it was. We, me and Miguel disagreed. It was pretty. <laughs> it was pretty crappy. I like our breakdown of horoscopes last week, though. That was a that was a fun time. What else did we talk about last week that I saw in the news recently? Well, there's that 2040 global uh, trends report, which I'm still chipping away at. But um, no, my algorithm's been dead quiet because you know I've just kind of been tempered, a little timid. It's comfortable for me. I'm I'm I like it here. <laughs> in this place. I like it in this place of quiet solace and fortitude that I'm in right now. I kind of have to be. And yeah, so if if it translates to melancholy audio for a week or two on me entering, so be it. So friends are for in these situations. I prefer to keep people down. <laughs> That's my motivating tool. Yeah. To keep you down. Well, you, you do that. You can't do this or you can't do that. Do you think that works with every? It works with no, some personalities. With uh, some personalities thrive there. Like when you tell them that you can't do something, of course, they're going to be wanting to prove uh, otherwise. But a lot of people are like, oh, yeah, you know, he's right. <laughs> I, can't, I can't do this. Holy crap. Um, and he's so mean for pointing it out. Yeah. So who, why can't you support me? Who did that to you in your life to where uh, you've been embedded with this sort of, uh, this sort of approach family or was it, um, job related? Like who pushed you? Did you push yourself? Um, I don't know that I, 
maybe a little bit like, so my grandfather was never one to just give in to something or like if he wanted to, like when I was a teenager and wanted to borrow his car or something, I grew up at my grandparents' house, so I would have to borrow their cars. So you couldn't just walk up and go, hey, let me borrow your car. You had to be prepared for the reasons as to why you wanted to borrow the car, the reasons as to like where you were going to go. So this is where you developed your lying technique as well. I'm not a liar, sir. Good. So I knew when I would have to come and, and ask a question or whatever, I needed to come prepared to have a conversation. And that it wouldn't just be a yes or no conversation. Even if I came prepared, it was never necessarily yes or no. There'd always be a question or two. Sure. And so I guess that sort of um, pushed your analytical approach a little. Yeah, a little bit. Um, Yeah, I can see that. And so when I would get into a job or whatever, I wouldn't just say yes to something because somebody wanted it or wanted they needed to have some backing. I needed to see there was some thought behind it, not just, you know, I want this. Um, why do you want that? And if you get mad and walk away, why is that my problem? That's your problem. (laughs) I like it. It bodes well for what we do here because I like being interrogated and questioned on some of my theories and I just want to know if there was some thought behind it. That's all. Yeah. And I tell you that there is in our case. So that's that's why this is magical sometimes is because I'll present something out of left field and then you'll have your rundown of interrogation and questioning and pondering. And this is over the course of multiple weeks. And then we'll come to realize that Sasha was right. (laughs) Very rarely. Very rarely does that happen, he says. But the other part of it's just probably competition with the way that, I don't know, I've always been competitive with my friends. Yeah. And it's, I don't know, like what we do here is lightweight between Mm -hmm. what my friends that I grew up with. I mean, it was constantly pointing out where you were in inadequacies. Yeah. I wish we did that here. <laughs> Come on, let's ch- let's flip the script. Let's have some fun on M63. Are we going to have to mention Kennedy because it's M63? Oh, why'd you have to go there? Because it's just a word number association. Oh, okay. It's the way my brain works. Plus, we, we had a mention last week when I thought it was 62. Womp womp. <laughs> uh, yeah. No, I, I mean, you know me. I. I can actually take criticism somewhat pretty well. I, I wish it would occur more often from folks that uh, I am venturing, um, whether it's business, friendship, whatever it is, because I don't like saying something that somebody fundamentally disagrees with and not being told that they disagree with it. I don't like that festering potential of someone who you know is a friend or a significant other or family member, because then I don't. I don't really get input as to what I'm, how I'm going about things incorrectly, maybe. Um, well, it just depends, right? Like, I'm not touching some conversations um, with my family. I'm just going to let it go. Their family, they want to think that way. Chances are nothing I'm going to say is going to change it. So, What if you're the backbone of the family and you don't know it? It just, oh, I, I would know if I was the backbone of the family. I'm on the outside looking in. Are you? Yeah. That's interesting. I wouldn't I wouldn't see I don't know the personalities involved, but I would see you as someone who wanted to improve 
all facets of like family interaction if he had the opportunity. Because you know you could. I don't know if I'd want. Why do I the, want? What if they don't want to change? Because it's a challenge. Now, now I'm like creating. Challenges? Now I'm creating a a rift, uncomfortable situation for mm. no reason. That's interesting. You just take people for who they are. I suppose you can. I'm learning to be okay with that. Like, but human relationships are meant to maybe build off of one another. And a family unit is these folk these are folks that are there with you from might, start to finish in some regards. Yeah, but I might suggest to you that I mean there's a reason why most of these smaller mass murders are all family. Right? This isn't <laughs> That's true. you know I mean yeah. so much it is a, a husband domestic or wife related. Or, mm-hmm. Or child, uh, you know, teenager or something. That but how much of that is because people don't confront their issues when they have an opportunity and they let things build up and then all of a sudden just any old argument can turn into domestic abuse, domestic violence or something even worse because previous to that, things have been suppressed for so long. We were seeing it with COVID. That's why so many people, there were so many issues during the first six, seven months of uh, stay-at-home orders and the rise in domestic-related uh, issues and anxiety and depression. is because these are a lot of things that people couldn't suppress anymore. They had to deal with They're them getting, day in, day out. I don't know about out. dealing with them. Hmm. It's more like yelling at each other over them. Not dealing with them. Yes and no. I can only speak for myself. But sometimes the yelling is a result of what confrontation looks like. You have to hit that peak in order to face like the actuality of the situation sometimes. like I mean, we could be honest. We've all had yelling arguments with people that are in our family, friends. A significant others, like everybody does that. If you're doing it for reasons that, I mean, it's not, I guess what I'm trying to say is it's kind of unavoidable if you care enough about the issue at hand, because it's just emotional. It's all yelling really is. You can, you can yell in a strategic way. <laughs> okay. A coach might yell in a strategic way. Okay. I don't know well, that you can treat your family in the same way that as a coach, coach right? Because players. yeah, because you don't necessarily want to. Well, a coach's message gets old after a little while. Yeah. That too, especially if he's teaching the same age groups over and over and over again and yelling at them the same way. I mention this because at my parents' place, when I lived there, uh, late two thousands for like 20 years. <laughs> um, every Saturday morning, there's this older coach across the street. He's like 60 years old, foreign guy. And he was a very distinct yeller to the point where you could hear him yelling through the windows if your windows were shut at these 7 to 14-year-old um, soccer girls that were high-caliber soccer team. They were like one of those select groups. But for... Four or five years straight, it was the same like attack style of coaching, and yeah, it gets it gets old. But I, 
I mean, I'm sure those girls turned out to be pretty decent soccer players. Mm. Mm. I don't know. We're getting to it here because Sasha's approach to tackling things that need improvement, it's not by any means extreme, but it certainly does involve emotion. It has to. That doesn't always translate to yelling. Very seldom. If you're talking about things like um, getting on the same page in life or dealing with issues, I think you got to take the emotion out of it to get anywhere. It's the emotion that's going to cause someone to shut down, stop listening, and not be a part of that. Why is that? It's just the way it is. I don't know why it is. Don't care why it is. I just know what it is. But maybe you're speaking from a bias here because maybe it's not well maybe it's um observational bias because you can deal with like an emotional conversation and if we're trying to get at the root of something i would rather just let's get it over with right now why are we why are we playing this uh i don't know game of it seems like a game sometimes right um well, because you have to weigh someone else's you have to, traumas, you have to weigh someone else's emotional state, that you have to weigh their history, and you don't have access I don't to all have that. To weigh that. If you want the conversation to go somewhere, yeah, I don't know that that's true either. Well, unconsciously, like we do it here week in week out. We, I mean, I like to think we don't have any sort of limitations to where we'll take a conversation, but certainly we know that there are things that we shouldn't say to one another. Like you're a bad Canadian. Yeah. Like the fact that he'll never run a mile again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or, you know, there's some truth to that. Yeah. There's, but, but uh, that's not even what I mean. I mean, but yeah, I know what you there's mean. There's like, like places there. There's places that we don't even think of going that are just like, we don't go because we don't think of going there. Like there's no animosity between you and I. And it's because we talk a lot. It's because we understand one another. We're also not around each other, you know, seven days a week or five days a week. Right. Morgan, I talk to you more than I talk to 99% of people. That's interesting. It's probably a little bit the same for me. You and I probably talk, I probably talk to my wife more. Sure, I used. But to. you would be, you would be a close second. <laughs> I used radio to. edit. There's no radio edit. Oh, I came. I came out last week and mentioned on the show that. Yeah, that but that you don't have happening. to air all the laundry. Oh no, no. But I mean, and I'm being somewhat facetious because this is very amicable and it's a very, uh, it's a good situation in light of what the situation is. It's pretty much as good as it can be. Uh, going, I can attest to that. I I won't speak for anyone else, but it's awesome. <laughs> That's right. Not awesome, but it's awesome. All right, radio it's, edits it's incoming. <laughs> it's a good place to be if you're in that position. Yeah, it's not. Uh, it's not the nightmare scenario. It's yeah. not. Uh, it's not the cliche situation. And I've been worried about that. Like um, the the perception of what uh the the word i I won't go there uh right now but the perception of what a a divorcee is (laughs) you know what i mean like oh he must have done some really crappy stuff or she must have been just terrible i I bet that changes right because generationally maybe well i think it's a male female thing 
like for me, sometimes you'll see like Angelina Jolie, for example, mm. you, you'll think she's just the greatest, but you know, there's a, at least two guys that said, yeah, don't want she's it anymore. She's the worst. <laughs> don't want it anymore. You're right. <laughs> Who've been some of the notorious, <laughs> or like, even Kim Kardashian. There you that. Go. There's another one that you look at her and maybe you want to be with her, but then you're just like, Oh my God, dude. Like so many guys have like not, so there's this, so from a guy standpoint, there's like, there must be this thing that they do behind closed doors that no one else sees. Eventually. That just drives a man insane to the point where he doesn't want anything to do with you anymore. I'm going to have to edit this part out. <laughs> Isn't that the case with nearly every couple? Probably. Yeah. Like, it's because, and yes it's because, and no, but, but it's because of time. It's well, because, I don't have that problem. But there are things that, your wife does that drive you nuts. That's all I'm saying on a yeah, baseline, but, well, a baseline level. But, but I can, but it doesn't drive me nuts to the point of anger or, ah, I see, um, having to talk to her about changing something or gotcha. You know, it doesn't drive me crazy to that point. I mean, she could probably push some buttons pretty quick and make me very mad. Yeah. But, uh, when it comes down to it, I've always said some of the times the trick is to finding, uh, someone's crazy you can deal with. Like their crazy happens to coincide with stuff that you're kind of relaxed it's about. Symmetrical, overly, yeah. You know, sort of, sort of thing. If their crazy is the same thing your crazy is, you're probably gonna. The sex might be great, but you're probably not gonna <laughs> last. <laughs> I don't know. I because we're all crazy in some way, shape, or form. I like to think be as revealing as you can, as early as possible. Don't put on a show. Don't don't be somebody you're not to get the other person to to like you. Like you. Right. Exactly. It's hard to be a full this is why time and conversation and um just don't, going don't. through the motions is so important in a relationship because you can't really skip the important stuff. Right. The the building of each other's trust, the building of knowing who you're dealing with. Um, all of that. And, and that's why, like I use us as an, as an example here, because on, on paper, this is a relationship. It's a friendship. It's business relationship to a certain degree. It's an evolving friendship as well. Growing friendship. The, the unconscious work that we've put in is pretty much just getting to know each other better via conversations, outings, mutual, uh, likings, sports, things like that. It's like a formula. We, we've got a formula for it. So I take this formula of a friendship that's worked out to this point um, in a trajectory that I'm very happy with, and I just apply it to everything else in my relationships with other people. What you find out is that it doesn't work with everyone else. Not always. But that's fascinating. It is. Because there's good stuff to be shared with people here yeah. about like how how relationships evolve, how friendships evolve. Yeah. It's always interesting, right? When you see your friends even date or whatever. And like one of my friends changes so completely when he is involved with a woman, it's mm -hmm. that's annoying. Yeah. You know, and even as much as I'll make fun of him about it, he won't change it. <laughs> yeah. He doesn't, maybe it's just who he is. <laughs> I mean, oh, it is. And when he gets into a he's girl, he's into a girl. Yeah. He, he is the guy that, that smothers the other girl. Like I she see. gets tired of him being around. It's like, he, you know, every now and then you got to leave him alone, bro. Let him go. He stopped doing her laundry. 
stop fucking cleaning our house? Would you just stop, dude? I mean, we're you're not even in the relationship six months, and you're already doing these things. That's a little, uh, yeah, that's a oh, little yeah. intrusive. Hmm. I like doing my own laundry to a certain degree. I don't like putting it away. I just like putting it in the washer, putting it in the dryer. The rest of it is like, yeah, not crazy about it. Yeah, sometimes mine will sit in a laundry basket for a while and I'll just pick out of the clean coat. Yeah, absolutely. I'll just wear the same shirt two or three days. Nobody's looking. You can get flexible in Texas. One day you could throw a sweater over your shirt. (laughs) The next day you can wear your shirt under another shirt. No big deal. Um, in light of all this that's happening in my life, there are things that I'm realizing I'm going to have to start doing again that I'm looking forward to. Uh, buying cologne is one of them. Overrated, bro. Uh, I've been buying Axe spray for what X amount doing? of time. Well, no, no, I've been buying Axe just because like every once in a while. Like the commercials got you. Nah, I need a something convenient and something very quickly accessible in case like I play around a disc golf and I stink and then I got to go to a couple stores or something. So you Axe know, if you was just always wear the good deodorant, it doesn't matter. You're all right. You don't need the Axe on top of the sweat. That's true. But the 24 hour deodorants don't really last 24 hours if you're active, active. Well, they do for me. Well, you're not taking 15,000 steps a day and potentially like bringing in 10 to 12 bags of groceries you do that in the wee wee hours i do a lot did a lot (laughs) (laughs) i do a lot man um so anyways i'm looking forward to buying cologne again for multiple reasons i like smelling good i'm an aftershave guy but you don't shave so maybe that's the difference there's another thing that's going to change Oh, you're going to shave? I mean, I didn't shave for six and a half years. And now you're going to finally shave. With a straight razor? You bet I am. Interesting. You bet I am. I I just go roll with whatever scent the aftershave is. And I don't don't like cologne. Something about it I don't like. I don't know. Never have been a big cologne guy. Time, I think at the base of this, is that I have more time. It's like my priorities. (laughs) You have more time, so buy cologne. (laughs) (laughs) i have more time to spend on myself it just depends on the personality i've i never thought i'd be in this position but i'm gonna make the best of it and i'm gonna live vicariously through your stories (laughs) (laughs) you're probably encouraging them yeah in like a year i'll be encouraging stories sure of course I'm the accelerator type. Yeah, not right now. No, that's not what I mean. I I'm, I don't mean in a relationship sense. I mean in a getting back to being me sense. Nah. Not that I wasn't me. So are we going to play some disc golf more often? Yes, but you so, know the reason we skipped a, a year. I had a legitimate arm issue that yeah. was keeping me out of playing week to week, plus COVID. Plus, uh, I mean, they shut down disc golf courses for a good amount of time, which is wacky to me. Because it's outdoors. Um, we were always spread out. The tees, it's like, come on, what are we doing? They put plastic covers over over the chains like it's some sort of <laughs> deterrent. <laughs> yeah, right? Uh, it's silly. Uh, that part of it was quite silly to me. But I get it. We had to suffer along with everybody else who suffered not being able to go to the movie theaters. <laughs> Got to take something away from, from us, the disc golfing 
groups, but that's on the table. I can't think of all the things that I want to do because I have the freedom to do them. Okay, fair enough. I can't think of all. Like, there's You're nothing read off. Some more? There's nothing off limits. I've been reading a hell of a lot. Okay, already. Yeah. Nice. And, are, are you going to watch movies all the way through the first time? It depends on the movie. <laughs> if it's a romantic comedy, perhaps. <laughs> depends on the time, right? It depends on the time, it's an hour, day, the company. It's an hour and 10, hour and 20, sure. Yeah. That's a good actual running time. Yeah. The, the 70 to 90 minute threshold. It's that, you know, two hour thing. Ooh. Yeah. I'm not into dramas right now. I don't want to watch a, a drama, you know, that's going to require emotional investment in the story or anything well, I like don't, that. I think like Fast and Furious is probably a two-hour movie. No, nah, I'm skipping on those two. I'm into sci-fi still. I mean, I have been watching some movies that can speak to me vicariously, situationally speaking. There's need, some good ones. need you to watch that Black Sheep movie, bro. Oh, yeah. That's not one of them that speaks vicariously. <laughs> Uh, Bye Bye Love is a good one with Paul Reiser from like the 90s. You remember Randy Quaid's in that one too. Matthew Modine. They're three dads who oh, yes. are going through different uh, divorce situations. and They're yeah. all unique. Yeah, I love Matthew Modine. Bro. That's a good one. Yeah, Cutthroat Island. Yeah, I even like his 80s stuff. Platoon was pretty damn good. Uh, what was that? Uh, what's the Netflix uh, show that was pretty good um i don't watch based in the 80s oh you don't no sir oh uh, stranger things stranger things yeah he was a bad guy for yeah. a couple of years yeah he's one of those that you might go who is that and then you probably know him from something one thing or another and yeah. you don't even realize that he's been in a ton of stuff look at this this is a funny article I was having a conversation about this vision quest that's the name of oh the yeah vision quest is a good one him and Dennis Quaid have a lot of uh, neat little 80s movies because oh, Vision in, Quest. He's in private school as well. He must have had a smaller part in private school. I play the uh, just like word correlation with movies very often. So when you say Vision Quest, I go to Dreamscape, the Dennis Quaid movie. Have you seen that one? Mm-hmm. That's a good one. And then when I go to Dreamscape, I go to Inner Space. <laughs> That's the correlation. Inner Space is a good one, too. Martin Short, Dennis Quaid. Yeah. And then I crap out there. <laughs> no, I go to, like, Brain Scan, which is a 90s horror movie. <laughs> anyway, that's just how my brain works. But an interesting article that I'm reading right now, because I had this conversation with someone earlier today about Alzheimer's and how weird it is that Alzheimer's in the senior citizen group uh, over the last 20 or 30 years, it's almost felt like it's been the anxiety, depression, uh, the same vibes, uh, the equilibrium on what we're seeing with mental effects in the younger population on the rise. I feel like Alzheimer's has seen a huge spike in the 21st century. It just felt that way. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know statistic. I don't know statistically if I'm it accurate. Feels but like it feels like we're fairly like close to cures with that, or at least medication that will um, maybe reverse some of the effects or stop the effects, still allow people to move forward. Whereas, you know, that, that was my great grandmother. My great, my only memories of my great grandmother were essentially in a fetal position at a, in a nursing home, and I'm pretty sure she was that way for 15 years. Jeez, with 
I mean, especially in the later years, like no communication whatsoever. Like if it were an animal, we probably would put it down, but it's a human being. So we just let them keep going as long as the heart keeps pumping, I guess. I, where does your, where's your brain in situations like that? Um, uh, obviously family member, of course, but do you have a scientific mind? Are you interested in what's happening? Um, do you have a psychological mind? Are you interested in how it, how it got to that point? Or are you just Morgan family member? And this is very sad. I'm more Morgan family member. This is very sad. Okay. I can't turn off the fact that I want to know what's going on. Like, with that sort of situation. So I, I had a great aunt who suffered from Alzheimer's and every time I'd go see her, she'd forget who I was, of course, and I'd have to re- reintroduce myself um, every time. And yeah, it was sad quite, but stuff like that. If you can figure out what's going on, who knows, man, this article kind of hints to what I'm trying to get out <laughs> The fact, uh, this is from the Albert Einstein College of Medicine, fresh news from earlier this week, that there's an experimental drug showing strong potential against Alzheimer's that removes the garbage from brain cells, um, like the clutter in mice. It literally removes the unimportant shit, and it just brings their memory back to focusing on the things that mice care about, whatever it is. But uh, the drug works by reinvigorating a cellular cleaning mechanism that gets rid of unwanted proteins by digesting and recycling them. So that's what's working in mice right now. And it's interesting because in my conversation with this person earlier about Alzheimer's, I literally told her that I think Alzheimer's is brought on by um, stress that clutters the mind with just invaluable, not invaluable, valueless memories uh to the point where there's so much going on in the brain that the brain just says enough i'm, I'm shutting down completely i would 100 percent disagree why a great grandmother never had a what stress would she have had you don't know like generational okay. stress yeah. your great grandmother was part of the great depression generation perhaps you don't but, know but it's the traumas a, but why does it wait until she's older and in the seventies? Because your brain, your it. brain is young. It's fresh. Okay. It's it's. How about a fifty-two-year-old a few years ago that didn't go through that, but was always a housewife? And what sort of stress? No kids. I mean, what sort of stress? We don't know. It could be pent up. Yeah, I don't. I don't buy the stress. You don't buy the stress bit. No. I don't buy the stress at all. Stress I don't know that it weird would things. But it can. I don't know that you could 100% eliminate Correlate it, but I don't it. think you can say That's fair. Cuz there's too many people who live stressful lives that don't have Alzheimer's. Right. But that comes down to stress management, I guess. It's probably I would think it has more to do with the brain being actively doing something, actively functioning, and when you are not actively functioning such as a housewife sitting at home, if you're not actively doing things to stimulate your brain, your brain probably starts to shut down. Your brain probably starts to get yucky. It's unhealthy. That would be a theory I would have. Okay. Hmm. 
because the two people I know or or somewhat close to are both in that that genre where I wouldn't have considered them having a stressful existence. We've talked about how the environment, uh, take COVID, for example, we don't know the sort of, we can consciously say that you and I haven't been super stressed by COVID. But this time last year, I was coming off pretty stressed to you when I was going on uh, lengthy, right. But that wasn't stress. That was me just shooting it all out. But there are people that were, and still are, like mentally very stressed by what's going on. And my guess would be a lot of the, like dementia, even uh, what's the stuff they claim NFL players have? Um, CT. CT, uh, whatever. Yeah, what is it? We should know this, right? Right. But, um, we're, we, we, but they're all somewhat related in some way, shape, or form. See, what's happening right here in this podcast session is very interesting because it happens a lot. Like there are easy things that we've talked about hundreds of times, like the concussion syndrome in football players that we know what the acronym is. We've mentioned it on air. CTE, I think is what it is. CTE, right. But when our brains are focused on something, everything else is kind of fuzzy, kind of hazy, and you can't really remember basic stuff. On the fly, on the spot. So that's why, like, our brain right now isn't stressed at all. We're not stressed because we're focusing, but maybe we are. Maybe focus does induce a, a sense of, of stress on the brain because it's so tunnel visioned that it um, it blocks everything else out and says, "Yeah, this is your focal point, and you've done this." So this is why, like. The housewife scenario is not implausible to me that somebody can develop stress-related mental issues, but they're not really like stress in the colloquial sense of like, you know, oh, this is stressing or or it's taxing is what I mean. Chemically taxing to do something routinely over and over and over again with not much deviation because it requires focus. If you are bouncing everywhere all over the time, you're not focused. <laughs> you're jumping from this to that to that to that and different categories and, and uh, what's the word? Scatterbrain. The more I think about it, and this is all very rough draft because the Alzheimer's conversation and this article in particular did pique my interest today. And Alzheimer's is one of the things that I believe is completely reversible, um, whether it's via medicine or behavior even. I think a lot of the stuff that we've had to deal with in the last 50 years is behavior related and completely reversible if we alter our behaviors. But I understand there's a big conglomerate machine that doesn't want to see that happen and they'd rather have pills created to resolve the issues and that's fine. But um, it doesn't take away the fact that a lot of this is just activity and behavior based, in my opinion. And something like Alzheimer's is, I know, Every time we talk about mental um, issues, it can get pretty, uh, what's the word, um, not boundary pushing, but like I know that that some of the stuff I say might seem a little unorthodox, but it is it's how I feel about it. Like whether it's depression, anxiety, um, even something like, like Alzheimer's, 
I just feel like there there are human improvements that we can make to get rid of all that stuff from existing. And yeah, it takes time, it takes effort, and it takes extensive research. But I just can't help but to think, how did people 500 years ago deal with stuff like this? Well, they just did, they didn't live long enough to experience this stuff. And when they did, they probably wandered off in the woods and got killed. Or couldn't make it back, succumb to the What about elements? anxiety? What about depression? What about um what about those things? Um, they probably all exist. Hmm. I mean, some of the stuff even from rulers of the day and time hmm. you know Yeah, dementia and uh behaviors, yeah. Psychosis, uh, of course. Would suggest all that stuff was there. Just not talked about in the same way. Maybe not even addressed in the same way. Which oh, the next pro- article down. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, go ahead. Well, the next article down is um, among, this is Science Daily, by the way. I like Science, Science Daily. Um, among COVID-19 survivors, an increased risk of death and serious illness. Researchers show, this is from earlier this week, Washington University. Uh, researchers showed that COVID-19 survivors, including those not sick enough to be hospitalized, have an increased risk of death in the six months following diagnosis of the virus. They also have cataloged the numerous diseases associated with COVID-19, providing a big-picture overview of the long-term complications and revealing the massive burden that this disease is likely to place in the world's population for the coming years. Um, unfortunately, and I can take the emotion out of this next statement, but it is sad and it is um, grim in my opinion. But uh, I don't think this looks good at all in the next two or three years for a lot of reasons. I I think it's probably in two or three years from now, you're, you're probably, it's in not even a topic of conversation. It's behind <sighs> us. I think the, the respiratory issues in combination with, some of the other stuff that's going on in the world causing crazy respiratory issues in kids and adults. I, I think it gets compounded. I think lungs are affected long-term from this, kind of like smoker lungs. So then why not get vaccinated? Because it doesn't reverse lung damage. No, it prevents you from getting the disease that would cause lung damage. Well, you, you know me. I like to think that out of the American population, and I thought you were here too, if I rewind the tapes to like the 20s and 30s, I'd say 70% of the country had COVID. A whole bunch of them were asymptomatic. Yeah, it seemed that way, but those people wouldn't be at increased risk. Well, that's what this article is saying, is that, yeah, they would. No, how they would not know of these people. They couldn't count these people. And this research is... One year from things popping off, it's way too early to draw any conclusions as far as this stuff goes. If you're saying it's an increased risk in the first six months after, okay. But you know, the uh, increased body, risk of death specifically yeah, within the six first months. six months, sure. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because we didn't have any vaccines. We didn't, you know, it, there was no, we could barely fight it in the early stages or have any drug to offset it or prevent you from getting super sick. So, yeah, this study is pretty crappy. You remember, well, I haven't gone over it in detail quite yet, but you remember that guy, um, 
that I mentioned, he was like in Taiwan or Thailand, who had full organ failure uh, after getting reinfected. This was a very um, minor story. It was like in the early goings a year ago. Um, and he just like crapped out and all of his organs failed after catching COVID for the second time, I think. But I brought it up and I'm like, oh, man, this, this is terrible, terrible. And and we were like talking about like how it was probably something else going on. And there probably was. But um, the researchers at the University of Washington confirmed that despite being initially a respiratory virus, long COVID-19 can affect nearly every other organ in, in the uh, organ system in the body. They evaluated 380 people who had it. So uh, they're talking about the long haulers. Yeah, the long haulers here. Yes, which but, is a very small percentage of people who got it. But continue. Okay. Is it though? Yes. Because the asymptomatics who got it have started reporting long-term side effects. If they were asymptomatic, how do you know they had it? They didn't know they had it, but now they're but reporting now, long Now, how do they know that they had it now? Well, because they're having breathing issues. Okay, but that could be anything. It could. But then shouldn't it be easily trackable? Shouldn't they have an antibody test? My, Why my can't we have the antibody 99% test? 99% of anybody who is asymptomatic has you have no way of knowing if they actually caught the disease or have the disease. You have no way of knowing. And See, also because if they got it and they dealt with it, by now the antibodies are out of their bloodstream. And they can get it not, again. We don't but if it didn't affect them the first time, why would it affect them the second time? Why not well, why not suggest why not suggest that there's a gene that some of us carry around that make us that that make us uh that'd be great at all i mean that'd be great i mean that explains asymptom asymptomism and as far as the stuff goes that would be fantastic and then other people have genes that this thing just clings to and destroys them yeah it'd be great the researchers identified newly diagnosed major health issues that persisted in COVID-19 patients over at least six months and that affected nearly every organ and regulatory system in the body, including respiratory system, persistent cough, shortness of breath, low oxygen levels in the blood, nervous system, strokes, headaches, memory problems, and problems with senses of taste and smell. This is the long COVID um, descriptors so far. Mental health, anxiety, depression, sleep issues, and substance abuse. That's an interesting one. Metabolism, new onset of diabetes, obesity, and high cholesterol. Cardiovascular system, acute coronary disease, heart failures, heart palpitations, and irregular rhythms. Gastrointestinal, constipation, diarrhea, and acid reflux. Kidney, acute. Every single organ. Yeah, this sounds like they're selling me a drug. For, for an ailment in every organ? Yeah, there's no such yeah, thing. This, do you have these symptoms? It sounds like any other drug. This is every commercial. organ in your body being affected by, by COVID, basically. Uh, coagulation regulation, blood clots in the legs and the lungs. And uh, joint pain, muscle weakness, general health, malaise, fatigue, and anemia. We're going to see more of this, man. I mean, it's kind of, it's not our job to talk about it, but um, it's it's we, our... We will not see more of this. No, no, we're going to see more of the developing research of um, findings out of research of long-term COVID effects. Of sure. So, I mean, not that you're discrediting it. You're not doing that, but... What's the word? Um, 
What I'm saying is it's not important. It's not saying af- it's not important. It's not going to affect a vast majority of people. Oh man. But we don't know if 70% of the but country we, got COVID at one point. We don't know that for a year or two, yeah, nothing impacts you. But we don't know if those people catch up to what these people are going through now in like two years. Wouldn't we have seen that from the people who had SARS? Seriously. Or any other. That's apples and oranges to me. It's not because it's the same disease. It's this is same. just This is a branch off of that disease. That's why it's called SARS-19 or whatever. It's a branch off of it. I'm trying to think of my utopian resolve for this. Well, how come flu didn't do this? I mean, you could argue that it did. We don't know the long-term, the long-term know, effects of flu. flu's been around for hundreds of years. Yeah. Who knows if it, who knows if that's why We're people... We're living longer and longer. That would suggest to me that flu is not deteriorating our, our, or cutting down our lifespan. I mean, every disease that's come along, while short-term impacts us greatly, long-term doesn't just linger around and cause ongoing problems forever and ever and ever. Well, that's true. I don't think I'm talking about forever and ever and ever. Even in, well, I mean, the short-term, short-term. one, two years? Oh, ten. Nah. That's short-term. This won't last that long. No, no. The pandemic won't last that long. But how can you say that the after-effects health-wise, on people who have had COVID don't last that long. I don't get I scratch my head at that statement. Because it doesn't... Well, people who have the long haul, well, obviously there's something else going on there. Sure. Yeah, but Somebody other, who's asymptomatic is not going to have any problems. I hope not. But if they catch it again... Well, I don't even know that that's necessarily possible. Mm. There haven't been a large case count here where we have people who catch COVID the second time. So fascinating, this whole COVID year and a half. It is. The conversations that are sparked from it. I mean, fundamentally, we're talking about, like you take all the the specifics out of the deal, we're talking about like disease and how viruses work in general. And there might be some some access to really, like what if this is um, alien DNA? Yeah, sure. I was thinking more like, what if this is something that we can study and figure out so many other like ways of attacking viruses in the future, stuff that exists right now? Just by seeing, I mean, it's completely different, but... Well, if you have metal legs and arms and artificial hearts and things like that, disease won't affect you. Anyway, it would be more like an electronic computer virus that would get you. But even beyond that, the societal <laughs> ramifications of what COVID has caused and what we saw in a short term, what we've seen so far in like a a year later, six months, all of that is so invaluable. That's the right word to use in this per, uh, specific statement. It's invaluable because now we know how people react to this sort of thing. We know. But I don't I don't know that they shocked you. It shocked me. It, you know, it didn't Some responses. Me. The streets were dead for three months. People abided. Oh, no. The streets were dead for six weeks. Okay. Two months. Maybe give me eight two weeks. Months. Yeah, give me two Maybe. Months. But it didn't take four weeks before people started moaning and whining and complaining about being stuck inside the house. By six weeks in Dallas, Fort Worth, people were Lamenting. screw it. <laughs> we're, we're going to do whatever. 
And then when George Floyd happened, there was no compounded, but that's more, that's even more data compounded crisis situations. Yeah. How do people react? Nobody had to go to work. (laughs) Right. They could all focus on that. Out of that came resolve in the George Floyd situation. Because there was enough focus, there was enough attention okay. on it. So if 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 there was no attention, um, and by that me I mean like mm-hmm. the media wasn't obsessed with it, people mm-hmm. weren't on Twitter about it, and no one protested, and they it. didn't have anything else to do. That's the key factor. They and, didn't have anything else to do, and nobody protested mm-hmm. it. Don't you still feel like he would have been convicted? Oh yes. Okay. But it wouldn't be as um, important of a of a of an entire situation. It would have just been another situation. Yeah. But this time it felt different because people were invested significantly more. And that's a sad thing to say that people weren't invested in Philandro well, uh, Castile or well, it's on video and in your face. Brianna that's Taylor. What so different. Yeah. yeah. On video and in your face. You couldn't deny it. Yep. The attention span of people during COVID, I feel broadened. A little bit just during COVID. It may go back down to goldfish size now in the next six months. But during COVID, it felt like people were paying attention to important things a little bit more. Yeah, but it's also brought out some crappy things, right? Like the city of New York having issues with uh, violence being taken out on Asians, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And that's not the white dude. No. Uh, taking it out that's on the everyone. Asians. That's everyone taking mm-hmm. it out on Asians, which is a little bit disappointing, right? Oh, um, I hope we're off the. I hope we're off the focus on what white people are doing phase of the last year and a half because I'm I'm more of like let's focus on all the shitty people and what what the shitty people are doing. Right, and shitty people come in all colors, creeds, ages, all of that. So yeah, we can we can focus on when when the shitty white people do something terrible. We can focus on it, but let's not uh let's not excuse all the other shitty activity from other folks that um that happens. I'm I'm ready to tackle it all to be honest. I'm bring it on. I'm I got free time. <laughs> so much has changed in the last year. And changed quickly. I don't think I'm here in my personal situation that I'm in if it isn't for COVID. Um, In many facets. And I told you why. I think you are. I told you why. It's because of the acceleration of of time. Maybe, but I think you're – in this case, it might be a good thing. Oh, yeah. It is. But the acceleration of time is the good thing. The condensing of time and of – life happenings that happened in the last year, not just in our personal lives, but as above, so below. (laughs) That's what happened out there was it. It was a, um, it was a hyper, it was like warps. Well, (laughs) it literally was the terminology they used for the vaccine was warp speed. Yeah. Things moved at a warp speed for a lot of people because you were put in situations where you had to figure something out. Whether it was, hey, uh, you just lost your job and uh, you don't have enough money to make next month's rent. What are you going to do? Government steps in a little bit, helps out, moratoriums, et cetera, et cetera. But 
there are still countless people that are in that same predicament now, and they still have to figure out, you know, what they're going to do um, next month or the month after. That's on the surface. We look at that and we're like, man, that's terrible. And it is. But the silver lining is that it's forcing initiative to be taken by people. And if you get the right combination of the right people taking initiative, then cool things start happening. Interesting things, in my opinion, start happening. Mm. You don't feel, I know, I know. The cynicism mm. is strong with this one. <laughs> It's like the force. But if I'm just being honest, you haven't been under pressure for anything in the last year because of COVID. Your job was never threatened. Life at home may have changed a little bit, but it wasn't to the point where it was going to drive you into the ground or it was going to drastically um, force you to change your behavior, unless I'm mistaken there. No. It's all been it's all been tolerable. It's all been taken in stride. Yeah, it's all been... It, I lived a lifestyle that just didn't get as impacted as others. Exactly. And if it had, what an interesting hypothetical. Like how, well, I just dealt with it. Mm, you say that, but who knows who you would have, like, I'm not, I'm not talking about the personal stuff. I'm just saying like, even job wise, if like you, if I'd lost my job yes. during COVID, I can't. I'm I not can't too even worried pic- about that. I can't picture. I know, but I can't picture like. Would we have accelerated what we were doing here and like say, okay, we're going to start investing, <laughs> we're more money and time. We're going to no, do this I'd two, three times a week, looking for something. <sighs> it's the easy way out, Morgan. No, it's a non-challenging way. Well, uh. Non-challenging pays the rent, bro. It does. That's for sure. You've still carved your own path. But what COVID allowed people with initiative is to carve another well, path people. for themselves. Some people, sure. I would have liked to have seen... Oh, I, mean, I don't want to say that. But I would have liked to have seen the potential of that in someone like you. I would have just found something... <laughs> Similar to what on I have. Craigslist, <laughs> on Indeed. Uh, damn, here I am trying to. Here's the problem with people. Here I am trying to like lift. It wouldn't what I the, think of it. You. Wouldn't have been the right time to start a business. It would have been the best time. Hmm. I don't think so. It depends on the business. Yeah. Yeah. I I can agree there. Okay. That's fair. It would have been really tough finding a a niche. And it would have been really tough making ends meet. Rent and ends meet while you're trying to find that that spot for you to to do something like that. You're right. I guess it's yeah, it's it's a perfect it's a perfect equilibrium what I'm what we're talking about here. For some people it's been I mean, for everyone, it's been a worst-case scenario as far as a civilization is concerned or population. But for a lot of folks who can turn a really bad situation into a good one, is this not where they thrive? Is it in, like, crisis situations? Yeah. It was There's a, a good, mentality there. There was some things to invest in or to look at and and try to be a part of. 
to, you know, move forward from an investment standpoint. But, um, have you heard the adage, I'm at my best when I'm at my worst? Yeah. Uh, you don't believe in that, that sort of thing. You don't believe that, um, not dramatics, but, um, crisis moments bring the best out of people. Very few. Most people succumb to the crisis moment. Should that get in the way of us confronting that sort of situation? This goes back to a lot of what we've talked about tonight. This is a this is a deeper philosophical episode, <laughs> for sure, because I'm interested in these types of talks. Moving forward as a as a as a group, as a unit, as a community, or even as a family, you gotta face this stuff eventually. Otherwise. What are we doing here as a species? Are we just here to, what, eat, drink, and sleep, and work for 60 to 80 years and call it a day? And try to get off this planet, yeah. That's not it. Yeah, that's it. But the having your cake and eating it too aspect to that, the rebuttal is that we could stay on this planet and improve everything. No, we can't, because at some point our sun's going to die, and when it dies, the planet's going to go away. So if we're not working to get off the planet, then we're. <laughs> then what are we doing? For we're a guy who's not wasting worried, time. For a guy who's not worried about COVID in the next ten years, I'm not too sure how you could be worried about the sun dying out. Because I'm pretty sure we got a couple hundred million before that happens. Mm, probably not that long. All right, <laughs> tens of millions. Probably billions. Okay. <laughs> Damn, let's get on that one because well, that should I be mean, on the top of the list. It should be. Come on, man. It should be. I do find it fascinating that there are a couple of people who are um, accelerating the getting off this planet movement, like Elon Musk. Is I like one that of them. Bezos and Musk are, Jeff Bezos. are getting into space. This is the way. This is how space exploration is going to come about. Can't sit around waiting for governments. It's got to be big business. It is a positive effect of hypercapitalism. I will say that is that the people who have made exuberant amounts of money are actually interested in using it in ways that we failed in the past. Is Kelly texting you? Yeah. Or is she saying, "Call me, call me, call me"? We could probably call her, call maybe. Me, call me. Oh, she sent me a joke. Oh, okay. Go ahead and read it. Is this like a rated R joke? No, this is this is terrible. So a man and a giraffe walk into a bar, and we're already off to a bad start. After a few drinks, the giraffe falls over and dies. The man begins to walk out when the bartender stops him. Hey, you can't leave that lion there, the bartender yells out. The man turns around and says, it's not a lion, it's a giraffe. I mean, it's cute. Like I, I just, saw it coming. I lost a month off the end of my life. By experiencing this joke, I saw that's how much it kills me. It ain't just bad. a little bit. It's terrible. Please get me off the planet. <laughs> Why I do can't you... stand the bad jokes here. There are a lot of bad jokes. <laughs> you don't like any of mine. You don't. You like half of your wife's. Well, she finds those because she knows I hate them. You're the common denominator, though. You're yeah. the one who may have like a, a, a just a rotten sense of humor. <laughs> You need a specific type of joke. It's no. probably a sex joke. 
is probably a R rate vulgar ridden joke, and that's probably what you find funny. Not necessarily. All right. Seinfeld that was is pretty a yes. funny. Okay, Seinfeld is pretty funny. I mean, he's not a cuss guy. Well, Larry David you know, is. He wrote all the jokes. But even he's not like heavy. He's not uh, heavy. There's a lot cussing. of sex jokes in Kirby. A little bit. But it's more, I don't know. Oh, I I love Larry David's Palatable, style. I guess. I it's love not, Larry David's personality. It's not Eddie Murphy raw, which I really enjoy too, but. Stay on Larry David for a second. Just a quick one. I see a little bit of myself, and I see a little bit of you and Larry David, too. <laughs> I, I, every now and then, I can't let something go when I see it out in the pu- in public. A little bit like Larry. Like, he'll see something and just be like, I can't let this go. I got to say something about it. And then that ends up, you know, somehow biting him in the ass by the end of the show. Right. Because he talks about it. Yeah. And it's the talking about it that enrages people. Yes. <laughs> That's it. Because there's he's so many topics. God, there's so many topics. I know. And they're so trivial. Um, a lot of them are. They but to him, yeah. but to him, he breaks it down and he's like, like, this is why I have a problem with this. I love that. Because the trick-or-treating teenagers. Yeah. He wasn't gonna give them any candy. <laughs> uh Kirby enthusiasm is it's a top ten show of all time. And it wasn't just a no. I'm not going to give you any candy. I had to explain why. And then even maybe even ask them why they would expect to get candy. And they didn't even have costumes. It, it's hilarious. Yeah. yeah. A lot of people put the office as like their favorite comedy of all time. I, I like the office. I was a office hater at first cause like, just anti-conformity, but, um, I'd put curb your enthusiasm over the office as far as, uh, long runs are concerned. It's a different humor, but yeah. Yeah. I do too. It's, it's but a, I also love Seinfeld, so just something about that music kicking <clears throat> on too at the start yeah. of Curb that just gets you in the zone of like, ah, oh, this <laughs> yep. I'm there. My wife hated that show. <laughs> hated Curb. Well, it t- yeah. takes a little getting used to because it's not fully scripted. They have a oh, interesting. They have an an idea of where they want to go in a scene, and then they just let the actors kind of free play it, right? Yep. To get to that point in the scene. So yeah, it's a little bit awkward at first to get used to some of the, cause you can kind of tell everybody's not, it's not as smooth as you might get in a regular scripted type thing. And I think it's better. Once you yeah, get used to I, it, I think it's better. I agree. And every guest we've ever invited on the show says the same thing about, <laughs> they're like, at first I'm like, yeah, it's kind of tough to catch up to what's going on and what's being said. But eventually you get into the flow of things, unless you're James. <laughs> shout outs to james i'm no, kidding james no. is great uh, i do want to bring my brother back on this show he, he listens to every episode at 1.5 now i think he's mm-hmm. is what he's up to 1.5 speed loves it i'm stuck on 1.2 it's my thing it's so good it's so good 1.2 just man changes everything anyway i'm an accelerator all right fine i like accelerating things that's why I like. Why not? Why not move at warp speed as a person, as an individual? You got an issue? You got drama? You got uh, confrontation? You got, uh, are you crushing on someone? You got a job you want? Accelerate. Accelerate it all. See what happens. Mm, I would just say, let the game come to you. 
I know you said that already, but yeah. well, I'm not focusing on game here. <laughs> I'm not focusing on that particular element of my life. I'm t- just saying like anything that presents itself that I can sit back and diagnose as, as to what's going on, which I do like Larry David, I, I sit back and I analyze, overanalyze to some degree, many facets. Once you have a good understanding of what's happening and what you're presented with as, a, as an individual, tackle it all head on. Very quickly. And if you do that, you just move up a notch to the next set of goals and challenges that present themselves. That's literally the cycle of life, I think, is you start with easy tasks that aren't so easy when you're going through them. Tying your shoes probably was hard as hell when I was three or four years old. But eventually, you know, you get used to it and it becomes second nature. There are Probably abilities and human tasks and challenges that await us that are just like tying your shoes. We just have to chip away at getting good at them. And I think that a lot of the stuff I talk about on the show is that improving human behavior in a direction where everybody benefits from it. But how do we do that? People got to start doing a little bit of it like actually doing a little bit of it good stuff um okay that's it positive positive reinforcement half hour of me entering this week let's get to the ugly shit (laughs) (laughs) positive who wants to be positive come on dude I do the world's not positive nature's not positive so nature's not positive towards us we may be its long rival, long-standing rival. <laughs> How much of it is karmatic, like from our ancestors? None of it. You don't think so? Nah. You don't think nature holds grudges? No. Okay. I mean, otherwise the trees would have taken us out a long time ago, right? Like For the happening? Cutting them all down. Yeah. Spooky. <laughs> Mm. Yeah, it would probably happen that way as well. Like it did in the ha- happening. Some pollen crazy stuff that would just start killing people. Yeah, allergies getting out of control. Mm-hmm. I don't know. You, do you have bad allergies? No. I have some issues with uh, allergies of, mm-hmm. as of late. I've gotten less and less as I've gotten older. Every time there's um, rain in the forecast, well, I won't even say that. I'll know that there's rain in the forecast in advance because I'll wake up and my left nostril will be clogged. <laughs> Just your left, never your Just right? Just my left, never my right. And I feel the sinus pressure up to about the bottom of my um Do you sleep on my your left orbital, side? Up to the bottom of my orbital bone. No, I sleep on my back or my stomach predominantly. That's it. I don't, speak on my, I don't sleep on my sides. Never found that comfortable. How the hell can you sleep on your stomach? Well, easy. Like suffocation. No, you tilt your head. You don't put your well, face. Then you're, then you're putting your head to one side. Your head is to the side, but your okay, body so is flat. Which side does your head tilt to? the to? right. To the right. Okay. So my right ear is on the pillow. Okay. Never on the left. Because then I'd have to look at the person sleeping next to me. Wow. Edit. Edit. <laughs> I, I meant period. <laughs> no matter who that person is. No matter who. Well, I won't go that far. There's a couple of people I wouldn't mind. 
you know. Angelina Jolie. Angelina, I was, <laughs> my mind literally went to Angelina Jolie, but I'm sure she does something I'd hate. Anyway, I'm editing this whole segment out. No big deal. But can't believe I said that. It was just a joke. It was part of my stand-up routine. <laughs> Which isn't getting any better. Uh, what about you? You sleep on your side? On the side sleeper, yeah. So your entire body is like you're sleeping on your rib and your arm. Or do you do you flatten your shoulder. arm out? Your shoulder. Yeah. See, I'm worried about that too, because I, I wake up in the middle of the night sometime with like a dead arm from sleeping on it. You yeah, don't worry I, I about don't, anything? I don't wake up that way. Does anything wake you up in the middle of the night? Well sure. Like sounds? Sure. Oh yeah. Intruder. <laughs> obviously that would i'm saying like what are your easy uh wake up things what Uh, what cats wake me up more than anything and when you got 13 of them and when you get older going to the bathroom sometimes wakes you up fair i like your your candidness you gotta watch what you're drinking before you're you know several hours before you're going to bed but that works the other way too if i know that I'm going to be on short sleep. I need to make sure I get up. I drink a couple bottles of water before I go to bed. That's fair. That's your internal <laughs> clock, huh? I'm going to piss at 3 a.m. I'm not going to miss that flight. Yeah, if my alarm goes off and I am and I accidentally turn it off, hmm. I'm going to have to pee, so I'll get up. Nice. <laughs> There's a trick, if you didn't know. Well, that is a trick. Once I hit my 40s, I will take note of it. <laughs> Speaking of accelerated time, we're already in 90 minutes. It feels like we haven't talked about anything really important. But again, hasn't been a whole lot of stuff. And that's nice. How much of it is the Biden effect? Well, it's kind of nice not having controversy on that level every day. Yeah, I agree. Um, it just works its way down now. A little bit. Like we could, yeah, well, we could focus on like, the more. Yeah, people who think he doesn't talk enough or respond mm-hmm. enough. Um, or Kamala Harris doesn't respond enough or have enough press conferences or stuff, something. But I'm okay. I'm okay with them not, not saying all the It's dramaless. Um, it is dramaless. Well, there's probably drama if you look, but I mean, I'm, I'm okay. I don't, I just don't need it in my face, I guess. Yeah. Uh, I like what it's, um, I feel like we are transis- transitioning um, here as a show from what we've, politics yes, every day. from what we've been for the last um, well, in year. The subjects, though, even though we have a new uh, leader, it, they're not any different. Um, I mean, All immigration right. is the same. It's, it's the same. worse now than it was because you don't have a deterrent, I guess, in office. Sure. Um, but the problem is, is still there and glaring. Um, um, but I mean, it's not kicked around every day and, you know, with somebody attacking somebody and somebody saying something stupid in defense and then it just going back and forth and it's on every, it's on every other tweet on Twitter. It's if you happen to watch the, um, any of the nightly, um, late night shows, it's part of their, everybody's monologue, it, you know, in, oh yeah, absolutely. It just trickles down to everything. In hindsight, does it feel like any of that was 
just very strategic by the bigger um, political system in America to get people um, it got to get people certain, involved. Well, it got a certain it got certain people riled up, mm-hmm. and well, it got two sections riled up to battle against each other. I don't know that that was helpful in any way, shape, or form. It was more divisive. My specific, right? That's the like when uh, that brings me to my question. You know, the Oscars were like this weekend, right? I don't. Yeah, no clue anymore about award shows. They're completely irrelevant to me. Well, Tyler Perry had an interesting uh, speech when he accepted an award, and forgive me, I don't remember the award that he had, but he was basically saying, you know, we need need to come to the middle because in the middle we can have conversation in the middle we can have compromise but when we're way out on the edges far left far right there no. is no compromise there is no conversation took the words out of your mouth from Let's like get a to year the ago and i'm like holy crap i have a whole new appreciation for tyler perry yeah <laughs> why didn't tyler perry say that three four years ago well he may have been saying that it just didn't happen to be in such a national forum and, and the audience wasn't ready uh, for it perhaps possible i don't know that the audience is ready for it now too many people want to be far left far right they don't want to be in the middle right middle is somehow weakness mm-hmm. the reality is the middle is the strength yeah, yeah it's the equilibrium the weakness is being far left or far right that's mm-hmm. weak but we've discussed on this program several times how you do have to have the pendulum swing in order for the balance to be appreciated and at least be understood even well the problem is i don't know that you can balance two extremes i don't i don't think two extremes balance each other at all not even in a data-driven world where you can soak up what pushes one side of the pendulum and what pushes the other no really well i think that's i mean to take a page out of um Mm. you would criticize me for saying this. You probably will. I think that's utopia is the balance. I think if you could figure that out, you figure out how to, if you can figure out a way to get more people to the middle. That's not utopia. Why? Because you're never going to have everyone on board. Utopia requires everyone to be a part of the machine. No. Yes, it does. No. If, if there's one person not on board or not with the machine, you will not have a utopia. But it's not a snap of the fingers thing. You grow into utopia. You pull people you, from the extremes over a course of a mm, long time. Utopia is impossible. 110% impossible. It's a dream. I like dreams. I know you do. Dreams are fantastic. I know you do. And... I have formulas for realizing your dreams. Not all dreams can be realized. Sure, if they're extravagant and impossible. But I've yet to be proven wrong on utopia being impossible. You just say it. it well, when's it ever happened? Well, that's ever. I mean, never. when did that stop? What have they told the Wright brothers that? Hey, when when you ever seen something go up in the sky? And, well, and you float. see birds all the time. Oh, that's true. Shut up. <laughs> We have well, we see nature all the time. There are certain elements, but of, there's nothing about nature that's utopic. Harmonious, yes. Mm-hmm. You look at a flower 
you look at the way that it blooms, you look at a cocoon, um, butterfly, a caterpillar cocoon process, butterfly and what emerges out of the cocoon after a lot of work is put in, the, but the caterpillar learns to fly. It literally grows wings and flies. And then gets smashed by a car or eaten by something else. Right. That's not utopic. If you want to tell me bees pollinating flowers is utopic, all right. And okay. No, there's patterns in nature that but, are utopic. But there's something that's there to kill the bee, and there's something that's there to trounce the the thing. It's and not utopic's utopic. not the utopic's not the right word in nature. There are patterns in nature that are perfect. I would disagree with that. <laughs> uh, snowflakes are not perfect. They are. Why would they be perfect? Well, under a microscope, the crystallization of the snowflake is geometrically perfect. No, it's not. Well, I mean, you can Google that one. <laughs> I'm throwing stuff out there that seems like it's got a leg up on the human condition for harmony, um, unity. Yeah, but when you're talking about the animal world, there is no diversity. Within something that's harmonious. I don't know. They kind of, for them, there are predators and prey, of course, in like environments and ecosystems that warrant that. But well, it's not like it's there not are like, beehives with, uh, you know, Afri- you know, with African bees and Indian bees, and they all mix in one hive with American right. bees. That doesn't happen. I know, because it's a very, you know, nature is very racist. Uh, they stick to their own kind. You don't. You don't cross those lines. But that's what I'm saying. That's the harmony. I don't. Being se- segregated and separated is the harmony. They don't mess with <laughs> each other. Oh, they do though. There's constant wars, even within their own hive and bee. Same bee families. Think about ants. I mean, ants are terrible to each other. <laughs> How so? Oh, one colony oh. will take over another colony just very quickly. You know, have you ever watched ants like close up just for like a long period of time? Like 30 minutes. No, I don't. I don't have a brain injury. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So right here on my patio, sometimes when I'm out there with my daughter and she's doing her own thing, you know, drawing chalk on the on the ground or whatever, I'll see a row of ants like off to the side and I'll just watch them. They stop at when they when they encounter each other. They stop for a very a fraction of a moment every single time. Like if they're running, crossing paths. They literally, I feel like they engage with one another. Every single one of them. It's yeah, but they're all doing what they were told to do. But it, I, sure, by the queen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but the queen is telling them to maybe. Good stuff. Engage with your fellow ant. <laughs> when you see him on the streets, stop and talk to them. No, he has to report to the sergeant, you know, where the food might be. Was there any food over there? But it's uncanny. No, you need to go over here. It's uncanny. It's so structured, the ant world is. Like, the lines, the symmetry of it all, the uh, the way they work together. And if you do watch ants in a row moving, and they're crossing paths and uh, different moving in different directions, they stop. You watch each individual ant. They stop and they look. They don't look. Well, maybe they look. But they stop for a millisecond 
with one another. And, you know, as above, so below. <laughs> we should there do is a, that. Um, boy, there is, there is something that takes over an ant and makes the ant do what it wants it to do. It's what the a, queen wants it to no, do? No, no. It's, um, it's a larvae or some sort. That oh, will within get, the brain of the ant? Will get in the ant and take the ant over. Mm. Um, well, it's okay. Now I, now I can't remember what, what it is, but uh, maybe I'll start to look that up. Well, I mean, it's that time in meandering. We're getting close to the third hour where, you know, we kind of have to go big brothery, AI, and we have to build that conversation a little bit. Um, okay. Let's get a little fantastical with this one, with this particular closing conversation. You believe that we could have alien DNA within our genetic code? Yeah, it's already there. Okay. Right here. Where you... It's just hanging between oh, us. Oh, nice. And a little spider What's hanging up? out. Okay. I see him now. Yeah, I thought you were pointing at the wall and I thought an arm was coming through. <laughs> some... <laughs> Some Hellraiser-like sequence. Oh, yeah, he is hanging out. Cool little little spider guy. Yeah, I don't like him above my computer, but... Uh, I mean, we're talking about going. two millimeters in diameter spider here. We're not talking about, you know, uh, anything dangerous. I don't want him riding home with me. He's headed your way, though. Hi, right, buddy. Here's what I do. It's the meandering spider. The meandering spider. And he's going to... Oh, you can not don't put him in the water dish. What are you doing, dude? Dropping him on the ground. I'm gonna be out of here in a couple of weeks. Yeah, like, I won't see. I have to see him full you size. Might eat healthy bugs or be, eat bugs to keep them out of the house. Yeah, I won't have to encounter him full size. I got you. Um, alien DNA. You believe it's in our genetic code? Yeah. Okay. You also believe that I know this from our conversation on another podcast a year ago and conversations we've had here that there are some elements of alien civilizations that may be a little, uh, commandeering towards the human race. They may be a little authoritative towards the human, human race, right? Yeah. So what if we have a bit of that in us? Well, we, we do. Okay. So what if we can enact what alien civilizations have enacted to get humanity to do what we want it to do? Uh, that's wrong. But what if you want, what you want humanity to do is not wrong? You're still you're still the fact that you're taking away free will to make free choices, in my opinion, would be wrong. Manipulating them to do what you think is good is wrong. What if it's data driven? We've had that. Even if it's data driven, it's wrong. So many things are data driven that are wrong, but people, eh, well, all right, algorithms recommendations, propaganda. I mean, there's so much stuff that is worse than what I'm suggesting. Not really. I'm talking about improving behavior based on being able to harness your, your, the power in your DNA. I don't know how that would improve anything. Why not just eliminate everyone and just have drones that you can just program? <laughs> that's not a, um, it's the same thing. No, that's not a, um, it's absolutely the same. That's thing. not an altruistic thing to, to. Oh yeah, let's just cause everyone to um, turn the switch on that just destroys the species. That uh, if that were possible, that would have happened already. If aliens wanted to destroy us, it'd be a flip of a switch. Probably. 
So obviously they don't want to. They want to give us a there chance. There may just not be any benefit to it. Right, because we're typing emails for them all day long. <laughs> That's what they want well, us to do. Well, there may not be enough resources here. We're mining any. Bitcoin for them. <laughs> they, they've moved on from gold to Bitcoin. This is the crypto is, we don't know this, but cryptocurrency is a big thing in the Kepler nebula. <laughs> We're just late uh, to the party. Yeah. Give me a break. No. None of that. Aliens want to see us do more than we've done. I think that's science fiction fantasy. But what would it take for you to consider it as, um, this is going on, this is happening? I would be more, I I would think more along the Star Trek path here where they may observe, but they're not interfering at all. And if you make it to a certain level, they'll say, hey, we're here. And if you don't, they don't give a shit. They'll leave you behind. Morgan with the Kardashev scale reference. Yeah. And I mean, you'll have others maybe that just want to take you over just to take your resources. You see that. That's science fiction stuff. But I mean that. But you see that in certain humans too. Yeah, that's proven throughout the human history, right? Yeah. Most of every war is about resource in some way, shape, or form. So again, if we're using the law of correspondence, which I believe in, yeah, we are literally reenacting elements of our co- genetic code that we don't necessarily have control over. So it's the same argument. Like you, you don't have a problem with that. Then the, then you shouldn't have a problem with my proposition <laughs> because the free will is already somewhat limited is what I'm suggesting. Um, but not really. How so? Well, I can choose to do bad things, but you're saying you won't allow a choice to do a bad thing. No, I'm saying that there are certain genetic codes at play within the human civil uh, the human species that the only way you can flip someone is via control because they're just bad their genetic code is from bad aliens <laughs> that wanted to control yeah, but what wanted if, to manipulate and wanted to um, take over for example you know there's just no way to control what you're suggesting you want control of there's no way to control it there's no way to keep it from going evil there's no way yeah there is what if i just want to eat nothing but fast food for the rest of my life evil and but you preventing me from doing what i want to do because you think it doesn't benefit the human race if you eat fast food all the time is evil what i would say is that you wanting to eat fast food for the rest of your life you can do it. Go go right on ahead. What you won't be allowed to do is influence others to do it. That's it's evil. So, that's not evil. That's evil. No, that's prevention of evil uh, in my see, book. Oh, uh, that is evil. Oh, my goodness. Because where does that stop? Riding skateboards creates bodily harm. Um, Oh, you can ride your skateboard, but you can't show anyone else riding a skateboard. Well, that's where... So the, we just cut off showing anybody anything that might be cool because it might be detrimental. Eating fast food, though, all your life is not cool. To you. <laughs> to to doc, you. 
well, it's cool to uh, who says it's- parasitic um, pharmaceutical industry and uh, medical industry that thrives on obesity and thrives on people growing malaises in their 30s and 40s because of said food. That see, fight. I get, about, I get where you're coming from. People that just want to be like I. I'm but okay. I would argue I'm okay. that they're not being what they want to be. It's all propaganda driven. And the reason you want fast food every day of your life isn't even your decision. No, you're being influenced by something. Yeah, that's evil. That's the way it is. Okay, so fight fire with fire. <laughs> you can't. Why not? Why would you want to? Because how does how does the world get better if everybody thinks the same and does the same and in, in a quote unquote good? How does everything get better? Mi- it's the middle. No, it's not. We don't know that it's that's, not. That's far right or far left. Either way you go, that's a far. That's an extreme, Sasha. That is nowhere near the middle, my friend. I think that's where we're at right now is the extreme. And you've got no. What you're talking utopia is an extreme. It is not in the middle. It is far, far, far an extreme. Fascinating. It I've is never 100. Heard, I've never heard that before. Oh yes, it is. It's absolutely no. I mean, I'm considering it as a as a viable statement. <laughs> I am. It's Utopia an, is an extreme. It's an extreme, but it's the best kind of extreme. Okay. And there, I don't think there's anything ro- wrong with the with with that. Because if well, you I think reach, it takes all it, individuality out of everything. Well, if you reach that, you don't know what what the next realm of balance and and extremes you have to navigate is that's the interesting part to me the pioneering aspect of utopia is interesting to me well you become one-sided one thing there's no diversity in a utopia uh, there's no diversity on like right there's no there's no need to think outside the box because everything is and everybody has their duty and they do their duty so when you get you know blindsided by something no one knows how to think no one knows how to adapt overcome you that's have no tr- oh it is true. true no it's true in the sense where to where you're done with all the all the old shit all the antiquated shit i've said that before like you're done with the stuff that we should have been over a long time ago but what you usher in is a an entire new slew i mean it is literally the Kardashev scale on a human level on a behavioral level you move up a notch from where you've been stuck for tens of thousands oh, of years. I would disagree. You, you've dropped down notches. I don't, I don't understand that. What if technology is doing everything that I'm suggesting anyway? What do you mean? Well, uh, what if technology is just improving, um, mental capacity of humanity? Um, the, See, I, I don't. I, I think utopian does not improve mental capacity. I think it diminishes. Uh, I don't think it expands. I it contracts. But it relies on. What if that's just where we're at? What the con- the contracting phase. Of the entire, but we know the, that's that's 100% not right. We're definitely in an expansion phase at this point. We don't know that. Technology is moving at such a rapid pace. We do know that. Our lives are so far different from people 20 years ago, from people 40. I mean, 
We already know that. The technology is. Well, technology is who we are. Mm. It's an extension of who we are. I, I mean, you've heard, you've heard me, and I hope others say that, like, technology is just figuring out a way of putting mechanical application um, and like pieces and and non-human elements to things that humans can already do. It's just improving it to a certain level. Like you look at prosthetic legs, you look at a computer. I mean, these are, that's not obviously all the technology that's out there, but even like a quantum computer, which I would argue is the most advanced stage of tech, technological um, like realization that we've got right now. It's like quantum computing. But that exists because there are people that can think on that level of quantum thought to begin with. The computer didn't create itself. The inner workings of the computer didn't create themselves. There may be certain um, artificial intelligence mechanisms at this point to where it can self-learn and adapt and, and sort of solve its own issues, but it can't, it's, it's still like operated by a human being and every, technology is still operated by the human brain and it's created. So, what does that mean? But how does that tie into anything that we're talking about? We're the ones pushing the needle. That's what, why I've said that we are defined by technology. Right. And that's, what defines that's us. why I said, what if technology is just doing everything I'm suggesting, anyways? Well, we know that's not true. But you just said we're expanding. Yeah. I think expansion leads to that point. No. Hmm. Well, then we are contracting because we're not leading to any sort of utopic point. How can you look we're, at we're the world? We're moving away from it. How? No way. There's oh, yeah. just no Absolutely way. Absolutely, we are. You look at everything that's improved over the course of the last hundred years because of technology. In a hundred years, there's technology the that prevents wars. There's technology that prevents people from getting angry at each other. For stupid, inconsequential shit. I doubt it. I seriously doubt it. There's pills right now that prevent you from getting angry. It's different. It's not the same. Okay. When they seed the clouds with it, and the rainfall hits your face, (laughs) and you can't do anything about it. I don't know. That's just... That's just evil... Maniacal. It is. It ain't any worse than the way things have been going. I think it is. Hmm. Like, I would be violent in a utopian society. I would be the rebel. (laughs) The guy who's trying to blow everything up and end humanity (laughs) would be me in a utopian society. Well, we never really dove into this. But I like the concept of everybody getting their own version of what heaven is when they pass. 
Mm. I like the idea that, you know, depending on the life you lived, your belief system, what you think happened, it happens for you as an individual. And so, I mean, maybe that's why I'm more encouraging of this whole utopic state because I feel as if you can um, you can see people leave this life in a better state than a lot of people leave it now if you change the dynamics of the environment around a little bit. And if you do away with stuff like racism over time, some of the uglier aspects, uh, we always default to racism. That is a big ugly aspect, but there's tons of others. But if you chip away at that, which is utopic, and if you get rid of the just the travesties that exist on this planet, little by little by little, it's not saying like you get rid of them completely because new ones emerge. Don't get me wrong. New ones emerge on your road to utopia. But certainly you can change the psychology of a people without control or malevolence or evil involved if you just chip away at the ugly stuff. That's not really evil. If you're trying to naturally get rid of the worst of what the world has to offer at this very moment in time. You just think it's not possible. Well, one, it's not possible. Two, um, it's how you go about it. Right. So if it's order- the right thing to do, you just try to influence people to do the right thing. There's nothing wrong with that. But if you give everybody a pill so that they do the right thing, sure. there's something That's terribly terrible. wrong with it. Of course. And that only way you ever get anybody to do the right thing is to dope them up at this point because <laughs> there's no way everybody's getting on board. Then you don't believe in the lead by example sure. concept. Yeah, you can lead by example, but don't expect that that influences everyone. What? Then we're back to the alien DNA thing. What if it does? It doesn't. We know it doesn't. What if there are alien civilizations out there that dominate over other alien civilizations? Well, I'm sure there are. Okay. What if there are uh, human genetic sequences that dominate over other human DNA sequences? What if? What if there are a group of people that are leading by example as we speak that the rest of the people just follow suit? They have no choice. And it's not because it's not because of any specific reason. It just is. Again, I would never, ever see a scenario in which that happens. I just look at history of time. There are certain individuals, there are certain civilizations that have they have, literally a, they have a very small portion of the world's attention and that's it. They do not have any sort of dominance over a majority of the people on the planet. Think beyond the beyond the the immediate box here. Think of civilizations that uh when you look around right right now outside at the US for example, you see the influence of the Romans, you see the influence of the Greeks. So then you go back to their time. Who are they influenced by? There are certain civilizations that have permeated their entire way of life all the way up to this point and still have influence over everything that is happening now well after they've been left on this planet and and earth and existence so i mean they're no longer leading by example because they did they didn't really they had good concepts that were usable as the as 
time changed, but they our entire but I, government I would consider Caliglia as not leading right. by example, sure, and yeah. setting a good example for the way the world should be. Or but you got you Matt Gates, you got guys like who are influenced by guys like Caligula who still exist. You got guys who are influenced by Hitler who still exist. You got, mm. but you got the other end of the spectrum too. See, like influences, yes, but, unavoidable is what I'm suggesting well, here. That's because everything in your eye, every every waking moment, something is trying to influence you. So to say that influence isn't a part of things is, you know, denying. So why not life? Why not work at the negative influence being eroded at? Because it's what you say is negative. No, no, no. It's not what I say is negative. Or it's, what the government says is negative. And I don't trust I mean, any of that. I mean, yeah, there's nothing wrong with that don't don't trust that at all you're right what if you're the government though it's not my business to be telling everyone the difference between right and wrong y'all need to figure it out you know but you're influencing yeah figure it out (laughs) because me telling you doesn't do anything for you it doesn't accelerate you all it does is some people might go oh i believe that other people go that's bullshit it really doesn't matter until you experience it and learn it yourself before you freaking make it. So, I, I so I, you can't you. just drag people along without them having some sort of experience that, you know, reflects that, um, not reflect, reflects the wrong word that, um, emphasizes things that they've seen as being true. Right. Right. And that's not going to be the same from everyone. And that I kind of want it that way. I don't want everybody on the same page all at the same time. Oh, I'm there with you on that one. But clearly. There need to be worker bees. Sure. But but if you go to the next level and you're leading by example, then the bottom levels get brought up a notch too. No. They don't go to the, they don't join you at, at the new level that you're at, but they get brought up. Otherwise, you're not doing anything. You're not changing anything. Yeah, I'm not. Leading by example is not. Any of that is very short term, I think. Yeah, but you're talking to somebody who believes in and has evidence of being able to accelerate behavior within short periods of time. I don't know about that. Well, I mean, (laughs) if my... I. I believe that my last year was inevitable, sir. Everything that's occurred in the last year in my personal life was going to happen at some point in my life. From uh, loss of my previous job, I knew going into that place every day, I will not be here at some point in the future. I didn't know when. So, obviously, the circumstances accelerated that for me. I also knew that. Sooner or later, I was going to take the initiative in my personal life to do something business-wise in my realm of passions, but my excuse used to be, I just need more time. I just need, I don't have enough free time. Or, I'm too busy. Uh, Work stressed me out. Um, Not enough energy. Too much going on. Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And then, all of a sudden, it was just like, and one day I just was able to have a day where I dedicated it to doing something that I only I wanted to do. 
the whole day. And then I just got addicted to it. And then I started, um, obviously time management changed a little bit. I'm like, okay, I've, I found this thing that I really am passionate about doing every single day. I had a couple of days where it's all I did and it worked perfectly. So now let me fine tune like the rest of my responsibility tree around it and let me work it and integrate it into my just everyday existence. That's the work side of things. And I knew that was something that I had access to knowing myself. You've said this um, about, um, you said this about owning a home. You said nothing stopping you from just going owning a home right now. But you see, my mental tree for that is a bunch of uh, unknowns. Because I don't know that. To, you know that to be true. But I don't know that to be true. See that? Yeah, you're going to have to take a leap of faith. Exactly. <laughs> Although this is not exactly the best market, FYI. Right. Just not right wait now. A, wait a little well, bit. Just a little bit longer. Well, I don't know if I have a choice. <laughs> My free will is, <laughs> is baby. Or not. you need to move out of the city a little bit. Yeah. And then you get to the personal aspect of things. And if I'm being harshly honest with myself, I've known for a long time that this was an inevitability. And so to see it accelerated, you take a step back and you're like, what is the universe trying to tell me? That I'm the master of my own fate? That's a part of it. That... I have enough data on my side now to make proper decisions about the direction of my life in many facets. Yes. So I guess what I'm in a roundabout way, what I'm trying to get to here is if I believe in the lead by example uh, theory, then I need to stick to my guns when it comes to this sort of conversation. And I don't believe myself to be evil. I don't believe myself to be, I, I don't. It's an I, odd statement. All right. But I don't believe myself to be evil. Um, Hitler in, probably didn't either, by the way. But go I, ahead. In any capacity, because I have enough evidence of the world around me to believe that if I was, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> that ended oddly. It's just simple. It's it's an energy thing. You uh, you get what you put in, or you attract. If if we get into that that whole debate, the people that you we know, befriend and meet in our life are showing us a piece of ourselves. I don't know about that. It's so true. I don't know about that. It's very true. I think the people that we meet and are friends with just happen to be people that are around us at different points in time. And it just happens to be that way. And the universe didn't just cram us together or we didn't pick or choose specific people because of certain things. Well, that's like fine. I see some, I see some of this in me. Maybe that's fine. But, but, a, but a commonality, like having, you know, sort of the same belief pattern, uh, doesn't necessarily mean, Oh no no! You know you could interpret that as like, oh, I see a little bit of me I, no, in this I gotcha. person, right? It doesn't necessarily mean that. Here's what I'm suggesting. Let, let me cut straight to the chase. I'm working on this. Okay. Let me cut straight to the chase. When I hear your cynicism, I see how my cynicism might look to someone who experiences my cynicism. 
<laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> See? I wouldn't be able to observe that if it weren't for our friendship and if it weren't for us knowing one another. I don't know if you get anything from me. <laughs> but I'm sure there are elements. Well, I don't I don't get cynicism. <laughs> right. So maybe it's maybe it's the exact it's your positivity. Ba- it's the exact balance. But you have a, a positivity about yourself too. Sure. So what I'm sh- perhaps I don't want to put words in your mouth, but perhaps what I'm showing you is what you would be like if you were less cynical. Okay. Yeah, maybe. I'd have a beard but no hair. We're not talking about oh. physical traits and attributes here, sir, because I don't want to bum knee, even though I'm well on my way to that. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, don't worry, Age will take care of that for you, bro. Right? What if there's something to that? And all of the relationships that we experience in our life, whether it's our friends, family, all that, we're supposed to... I think they all influence us. Yes. I think that all makes you who you are if at you're, the end of the day. Yes. If you're conscious of that, are you on a different level of... um life experience that can be beneficial to the folks who aren't necessarily conscious of that. Well, they may be conscious of it. It's just a different, it's just different for them. Right. But what you're saying is that we can't enlighten people on. I don't think so. I understanding it differently. Yeah. It's weird. To you me. get too clinical with some of the stuff and people, it's going to turn people off, right? What if they grow into being, ex- it's like anything with conspiracy theories. So say they just view that as a conspiracy theory that now you're overthinking it or you're going off the deep end or et cetera, et cetera. But over time, like the evidence that um, of some conspiracy theories that were had in the past pans out and people are like, oh, I see. Now that I have a more, context and more details and they've released more information i could see how the people screaming at us in the early 2000s that um our conversations were being listened to and there was data being pulled on us based from google searches and all this i could see how there's some merit there what if it works like that with uh human experience What know. if we, what if we're all on the same track and uh, it's unavoidable and just some of us are uh, the caboose and some of us are the engine? What track would that be? Track to Utopia, sir. I want to go to the back of the freaking train. But you can't. That's the that. But you can't. I you am. can and you can't at the same yeah, time. I'm just gonna go back. You there. can blend in the back, but you're not really back. See, that's the fun part. No, it's not the fun part. Sure it is. You can blend. Me? Yeah. Have you seen... Or we? Well... Are you a blender? I can blend. I'm not crazy about blending. I can... I'm a chameleon when it comes to social environments, for sure. I like to think that I... said this with the bowling competition. It's funny, now that I think about it. That we always play to the level of our competition when we're bowling. Sometimes. And there's never really a super blowout game either way. And that even if we're play, facing but, better bowlers, it seems to like work out to where they don't necessarily bowl as well as they could. And we're still in it or vice versa. Well, the league's sort of set up that way too, though, with our handicaps and whatnot. There you go. Set to, to 
to keep it. Uh, think about what you're saying. The world is not that way. It's not designed to keep it competitive. No. It's everything but. What I mean, do we, well, in, well, let I me mean, ask I, you. I, what I, do you think we're a, competing for here? In, in a small on the planet. Wealth. Because that's I disagree fundamentally. If that's what you think. I don't know that we necessarily compete in life outside of personal stuff. Um, like in a workplace or for a mate or, or food or water. I don't know. We, competition has become something very different in, in today's society. It's board games. It's pick up mm. basketball or disc But what golf. is it on the higher level? If it exists, if there's a if there's an above to that below, what what well, does it look I think, like? I think it's I think it's an inner drive. Like people mm-hmm. who don't who aren't competitive, I don't know that they're driven internally to. What are we competing? Achieve? I don't know. What are the people at the highest levels of human capacity competing for right now? I don't know that they're specifically competing. Unconsciously. I don't know. You tell me. What are they competing for? Pioneering the human condition? Mm, I doubt that. There's no money in that. That's my inner drive. I don't care about the money. Yeah. That's the the most conscious, aware, peak competitive drive for me. That I have consciously and awareingly admitted to myself is that I feel as if I have an opportunity to compete for the best potential state that a human being mentally can be operating in. For yourself? Yes, and by that, for others. Yeah, it wouldn't work for others. I know. No, not not to literally um, operate in the same way, but to lead by example. That's all. In the mental, intellectual sense. Well, one who leads by example does not talk about leading by example. Mm-hmm. In fact, he doesn't talk about the way he leads. He just assumes uh, you can either learn from the way I do things, or if you don't, I don't care. But you don't have that attitude. Mm. That last part is the only part I disagree with you on. Yeah, leading by example, they don't care that people don't follow them or learn from their leadership they don't give a shit at all but people who are aware that they are leaders do lead by example guy does not mm. if other people don't see his example and take up with it on oh, that part i agree with you on he doesn't care that part i agree with he you has on. no control over that that part i agree with you on but the fact that he know he or she knows that they have the ability to lead by example. Yeah, they do care about that. Otherwise, you know, like no one leads, right? And no one wants to lead. There are very few leaders or leader type personality. I know the genetic code is thinned out over the years. When people we've don't killed, want to, when we've people, killed all of our leaders. People don't want to make decisions. They don't want to be responsible. I don't know that that's true of leaders. 
I think they welcome responsibility. There's a few people who want to be leaders and will, are not afraid to take on that responsibility, but most people. But here's the the awesome part about what you're suggesting is in combination with what I'm suggesting, all leading looks like to me is making the best decisions in your personal life. The optimal decision tree. That's not leading. And talking about it. Yeah, that's not. You don't want leaders who talk about leading. No, no, no. Or talk about. Well, I, I mean, in, in all, um, in all transparency here, I'd like to talk about our life experiences. You're right. Leaders don't talk about leading, but they have to be aware that they're doing it. I don't think they do. And in fact, I think some of the best leaders are completely unaware of their leadership ability. In modern society, I agree with you. But in a world where things have to change quickly in order for the worst outcomes, you have to flip it on its head every once in a while. You have to come out of your shell and let folks know exactly what's going on. And that they may not be best suited for the decision-making that's ahead. And that there are other people who need to step in. That comes down to like just bigger talks about, like we talked about last week in the Global Trends Report, that there are countries out there that are experiencing revolts left and right where people's trust of their government to be able to handle the issues that they're experiencing is just gone. It's just evaporated. You've heard me say governments are no longer potentially the people in charge of the optimal outcome for the people of that country. Not that they ever necessarily were, but at a certain point, in every country, there's a level of trust that the people have for the people that they've elected and put in power. And I think what we're seeing, and this is why I believe we're in a compression stage in many aspects, is we've like we've reached that and we're on the outs with the people that we've elected as individuals who make decisions for us. From a governmental standpoint. And that doesn't mean government goes away. That means new concepts for what government looks like emerge. And people have to make those decisions. What does government look like in 2050? It's not going to look much different. That's not a leader-like mentality for government. I mean, you can't. You can't say that and, well, you can't say that and want things to change for the better. You can't say that and... I can say that because I'm looking at it realistically. I'm not looking at it through some sort of shaded glasses that thinks that people are all of a sudden going to change their behavior pattern that they've 
been stuck in for two cent two thousand years. Well, then we're right back to where we were a year and a half ago, where we were discussing on the episode right before COVID hit with Miguel. What's it going to take for people to change as a whole? And Miguel 500 said, years, a thousand years. No, all people he don't said, change in a generation hardly. All he said was cataclysmic events. And then you and I both chimed in and said, what does that look like? And he said, personally, in his opinion, that it looked like nuclear wasteland and uh, all-out war and that that gets people changed. And then I said, I don't know. I feel as if you're on something there, but on the other end of the spectrum, I think it's a little bit more personal and that it's everybody goes through their own um, end-of-the-world scenario for what their end of the world means to them. Yeah, it, it, it has to be collective, not individual. That is collective. It's just in an individual sense, because you like to tell me all the time that we're all the same. We are. Okay. So if we all go through personal ends of the world, are we not kind of circumventing the end of the world uh happening out there in a in a in a cataclysmic sense and we're experiencing internally uh meaning like we can go through the drama and the stri uh, the, the same emotional experience that would be elicited by like say knowing a comet or an asteroid was going to hit us in 10 years we can experience the same sort of emotional reactions by going through things that force us to change or force us to got it short go term through that. i don't think it's the right kind of change hmm. you gotta give me something to work with here buddy it's short term i mean attitudes are going to change over time but that doesn't necessarily mean the face of the government changes or the attitude of the government changes i don't know that that changes all that often or all that much Maybe you're jaded because you haven't seen it in your lifetime. Haven't seen what? A change of government. A change of ways or style of government all I, too much. I think each each new president essentially changes a little, but it's all the same. Well, what if you don't have a president in 10 years? Well, then we wouldn't be living in the United States of America. As it has been for the last 200 well, it wouldn't exist without a president. This country does not exist without a president. There is no way they're changing the Constitution to eliminate the office of president. There's no way. Well, what? It, hmm. Texas is more likely to become its own country than that is to happen. No, you don't think that adding roles equal to that level could be a potentiality. You want two people making decisions instead of one, and you think that's going to be better? I'd, I I'd like a boardroom style of decision makers. I think it's worse. I think that's I think that's the problem sometimes is that, um, well, in a in a government situation, you need someone that's there to make the decision and the final decision, and a board doesn't bring that around. It just doesn't. And, it, and, a, and a board, if anything, slows down the progress of, just look at companies. 
companies that have a CEO uh, that has the ability to make changes and move a company, move a company in a direction. They go. They change. Companies that have to go through boards of directors before they can make changes are slow. They'll be five years behind this other company because they got to vote for every little thing and everyone the doesn't isn't on the same page with everything. So I don't know how you could somehow break it down to two people making decisions and it gets better. Well, if anything, if anything, you, there's too many people in Congress and you kind of get a, I think you got to whittle that down. There's way too many people there. Well, that's the part you're not going to like, but I do like that because of the census, California lost representatives and Texas gained representatives. Of course you do. Yeah. I like that. This is a topic for a future uh, episode, I'm sure. You know the... Do you know how I feel about like-minded like individuals and them you know, forming groups and then you're like, oh, that just sounds like a cult. Well, if it's not a cult, um, it's, it's a just, club. And if it's a club, okay. it's kind of racist. Okay. Scratch the racist part out of the deal. What if it's just like-minded people when it comes to uh, agreeing on how and how we get somewhere? religious nuts. Okay. Scratch that out of there because that's, in my opinion, that's from conditioning and from what you've seen in the world. And I get it. I've seen it too. So, yes, of course, that's my critique of any suggestion that's teetering in those in that vicinity. But what if it's just not? What if it's not religious? What if it's not cultish? What if it's literally associating and organizing yourself with people who understand how to get things done? Like that one person is needed to uh, be in place right now to get things done that you're suggesting? Okay, what if you have 10 people who understand that and who operate like that and who actually have evidence that they they make decisions in that style and you get them together and they won't make better decisions they'll make far crisper unalterable decisions human the president can be swayed human, one way or another human emotions would play into this and and if you got the 10 people together they would not be on the same page very quickly jealousy money would just drive them apart it would not happen the moment they realize that they have power, it would no longer be a collective of 10 people. It would be 10 individuals working for their own power. Let's make that. That should be our last topic here. What is power to you? What does power feel like? What is having have, power? You're asking the guy who doesn't have any power. Oh, anymore. my gosh. What? Give me a break. Don't let me get psychoanalytical on you here. I have no power. Oh, I don't have any power in my, my, my marriage. I don't have any power. <laughs> my What's car your, is not very powerful. <laughs> your car isn't powerful. You drive an Elantra. <laughs> well, I don't have a, a powerful swing uh, in baseball or even in disc golf. I don't throw the ball, the disc powerfully. What the... I don't know what power feels like, sir. Have you ever experienced power in your life? Like having power over a situation? Of course, yeah. Oh, come. You were an office manager for 48 really years. 
It's babysitting. At one point, whether it was the day you got promoted or whether it was the day where you realized that um, you were in control to a certain degree of the morale and the style and the procedure of your office. I never had that power, FYI. Well, you always sought it. And because it was the right thing to do. Ah, boy. It all comes full circle. Not really, but continue. The right thing to do right now might be to exercise a little power. For the leaders out there. But that's what they're doing now. Mm, Are they? Yeah. I agree. (laughs) I do do agree. I think they are. But what I'd like to see is the gas pedal down. Because there's some shit that we just have to get past. Yeah, and it's not going to happen quick. But isn't that up to the leaders? That's my suggestion. No, it's not. Okay. It's not. When you talk about something that we have to get past to improve as a total society, racism is number one, in my opinion, that you have to get past. And you're not getting past that in five years, 10 years, 50 years. It's going to take 500 years, perhaps, before we get past it, fully past it. I mean, if anything, in the last two years, it has been proven that it is just beneath the surface of most people's skin. And a lot of these people don't think they're racist, but when put in a certain situation, they have a reaction that is absolutely racist. But that is, that's cause and effect. Racism's real. Mm -hmm. It's not going anywhere. It doesn't matter what your leaders say. It hasn't mattered what your leaders Racism say. Racism is an effect. Your leaders have been saying the same things essentially since 1970, and it hasn't mattered. We're still at a very bad place as far as racism goes in this country. It's not an effect. It is an effect of conditioning. It is, it, it's been this way forever. From the time we were in living in caves, there's been racism. At that time, it might be might have been more tribal than anything. But if you were of this tribe, you didn't like any other tribe. You wanted to kill them all. There's no there's no mixing. Yeah, we we've spoken on this before. The core emotion or the core reaction there is not it's not racism. It's um it's almost like a sense of anxiety. It's not even anxiety. It's um yeah it's it's. It's, Anger. It's holding on to quote unquote heritage, which is, in my opinion, 100% stupid. Um, what your ancestor did 150 years ago is not your heritage today in 2020, but I'll never convince people of that that's true. I mean, uh, your, heritage, me? your heritage essentially, I mean, it's nice to be sort of reminded maybe a little bit of where you came from, but it's not so important that you wear it on your sleeve, right? Uh, and you fight about it today over something stupid, essentially. Wouldn't it be nice to just get rid of all that shit? Yeah, unfortunately, it's gonna take it's gonna take a hundred years. It's gonna take a century, and even then, I don't know that it 
it, you know, it just finds a new form. So you don't think the acceleration of getting rid of racism can occur? No. You don't think that if in the next two years we go through horrendous ordeals when it comes to confronting some of the things that we've talked about that pertain to the fabric of racism and the mentality of racism. Civil war, for example, or observing civil wars in other countries and seeing horrendous effects. You don't think it affects us in a, in a data-driven information age uh, no. era more than it did in like the 18th century, 17th century? No, now? not at all. With access fact, to social might, media. In fact, we might be even more divided. And in, in fact, today, uh-huh. I can make money on racism. Mm-hmm. So if I can make money on it, it ain't going away. There's too many people invested in keeping this here and not letting it go. So let me get this right. The guy who, or gal, who would force some of this stuff to disappear via control, but tactical control and rightful, righteous control, if if I'm hearing your argument here about all this terrible shit we don't let go of, if there was some species of alien that could come. There's no shortcuts. I know you want there to be. I really do. I I understand fully. You want there to be some shortcut. An alien comes and tells you this or that. But the reality is there's no shortcut here. Collectively, everyone on the planet is going to have to buy in at some point that this is bullshit to put it behind them. And until we reach that point, which there's no shortcut to it, Without brainwashing everyone right, but, or killing everyone. But but the brainwash part's not so bad when it comes to talking yes, about is. this. Just brainwashing in general is bad because there's going to be something that you don't wash out. And it will never fully be gone if you just force it, Sasha. You can't force it. You can't. Okay. Just think about things that have been forced on you. I, I try to. I can't think of many. <laughs> Name them. I don't watch sports okay. anymore. Uh, I don't watch to, TV. You need to register your car. That's forced uh, upon you. Yeah, but I you guess what I not do. To. Right. Yeah. See. <laughs> right. But there's something fundamentally wrong when you analyze why everything's I'm being good asked. about giving money to pay for potholes and streets and everything else that goes behind it, but you. You, sir, don't want to be contributing. Well, that's because I thought, I was under the impression, that's what taxes were for. There's different taxes for different things. Right. Your tags go straight to automobile stuff, roads, My $60 a year they want from me goes to fixing a pothole. Yes. Oh, well, you've changed my mind on car registration in one fail swoop. If my little 60 bucks can fix a bad no they've been working on 35 and 75 since i see so the same rationalization you're making here is the same thing other people would do i like when you do this it's the same way you tell them racism's bad they would do the same thing 
Yeah. And guess what? We're not going to be driving on roads in 20 years. Maybe not. So? We might not, but our cars might still be driving on the road. Okay. That's something that's not So we'll be out of either. control. Something that's not going to go away either. People our, driving themselves is not going to go away. You don't think so? Not in our lifetime. Yeah. I'm so interested in the future and what it looks like. To, so I can see who is right and who is wrong on M346. There's, it's going to be fun. There's too much money in cars now. Imagine Mass M- cars not going away. Imagine meandering Street episodes. Street not going away. Imagine our episodes in the hundreds and fifties. Uh, we're we're going <laughs> to, what the hell? It's going to be awesome. Will it? Well, I couldn't have forecasted the fact that we'd have 30 episodes covering a global pandemic that ravaged us in the last year. Mm-hmm. I thought we were just going to get on. Big word. I thought, oh, God, if you open this episode with something that uh, killed 90,000 people. 120, according to you. Uh, 120,000, yeah. And, yeah, that's just right there at the volcano, oh, not worldwide. I know. It was like, what, a million it was more like tens of millions. Like a good deal of the human population was gone. You want? I can go oh, from from it. side effects of the yes. volcanic eruption. Which, what are you always talking about from COVID right. side effects? That's the point, right? It's like you want me to care more about this volcano <laughs> than COVID, but they're the same. No, I'm just they're saying. I'm just saying, if you lived during this summer when there was no sun and crops were failing. You'd be telling me how it was going to happen every year. Every other year, this is going to start happening now. There are going to be more and more volcanoes. And what I'm trying to say is that bad shit, bad shit happens. Bad shit has always happened. And somehow, some way, we as humans pull through. And it doesn't like detour us and we go down a bad path of no longer existing. We generally get better from it. And that's the same thing that's going to happen with COVID. COVID's not going to get nastier and kill more people. It's going to kill less and less every year from now on. I hope you're right. You want to say, I know I'm right. No. I mean, I can be wrong. No, I I hope you're right. I hope I'm right too. And history tells me that that's most likely to happen versus. (laughs) Because you're right most of the time. No. <laughs> no, not your history. The bigger is yes, yeah. the history of viruses. Right. You're right. When it comes to that. I mean our body our bodies adapt, overcome. Right. To but, a certain extent. But the X factor here and I to be on board let me uh be a little candid. At first, it looked like COVID was gonna be really bad. And in hindsight, COVID was really bad. But I never thought the virus itself was going to be purely catastrophic and just wipe out uh, 50% of the population, 40, 30. I never thought that. What I suggested was that the ramifications across the board of this pandemic were going to lead to issues within the infrastructure of the global system that were not necessarily repairable to the point where we were going to have to decide whether we um, tackle fixing something that was broken to begin with 
which seems like in some pockets we're trying to do, or whether we were just going to move on, accept the fact that we've moved on past this phase in our existence as not only Americans, but bigger global civilizations, or whether there were going to be groups that force us to cling to stuff that they need us to cling to purely for greed, status quo. Yeah, but none of that's really changed. You can't say that quite yet. You, any, any change would have been temporary. Temporary change within key individuals, or I'm sorry, permanent change within key individuals is all that matters when I'm talking about this. You don't need everybody to have a permanent change within a short window of time. You just told me that. And that it, it's gradual. And all you really care about is the long term, I guess, and that people come around eventually on their own accord. So what I'm what I'm suggesting is that everybody's going <laughs> to you're going to have this long term people are just going to take control over their personal situations a little bit better than they used to. Mm. I, I no, you don't think so. Some maybe, right. but most will probably revert back to it will, and some of that has nothing to do with the pandemic. It falls back on how, you know, we prepare people for the world as they're growing up. I mean, some might say that the newest generations are not as prepared as generations before them. I would agree. But I also think that... It's yet to be seen, I guess, but I, it's possible. I also think they can change quicker. Mm, I don't. Mm. How can you admit that in a world where you can learn how to play the violin on YouTube if you want? Yeah, but that that's a skill, right? That is completely different. If you then goal setting, yes, improvement, how self to, refinement, consciousness, bank, ac bank accounts. How do I handle that? How you do can I YouTube it? YouTube it. Yeah, but why don't people do that? Why are we still irresponsible with our money if there's 50 million YouTube videos on how to be responsible? Because with people are irresponsible with their time. It doesn't have anything to do with time. It does. It's time management. It's what you care about doing when you care about doing it. Nobody ever cares about learning about their financial or a very small portion care about um, financial planning and financial management at a young age. That's just. But that's because of parents, not because of opportunity for, to learn. Parents aren't interested. Parents don't teach their kids what to do with that stuff. Don't you're teach right. Their kids about credit scores, about investments. You're right. Buying homes, buying. But how things. many people? How many parents have been really legitimately confident in their skill at doing that? Well, you had a brought you brought a life into onto this planet, right? Well, yeah. you better buck up and be responsible enough to tell your kid something. So, and if you don't know, then it's your responsibility to learn and figure it out. That, there, there's the key factor. So let's say you were a parent. Um, put yourself in a... Uh, God, I'm not. 
Put yourself hypothetically here in closing. 15 years ago, around uh, 2006, 2007, um, let's just say pure hypothetical here. You live in a $250,000 home. You make 80 grand a year. You live outside of your means. You're $60,000 in debt. Do you have any right to teach your kids about... Well, I may not be living outside of my means at that point in time. Because the the home is worth something. Oh, I see. The home has value. So you know that eventually you'll be out of debt. But Mm -hmm. you had to go into debt in order to have that realization. So is that what you teach your kids? So you're twisting it. Mm. You're trying to twist it. No. I'm saying an entire generation said, that's, that's, this is life. I'm telling you an entire generation didn't have the foresight, thought, or anything to understand that at this age of 16, 17, 18. Yeah. They didn't consciously the go. people you're yeah. asking to teach the younger kids. Well, hey, they had, if they supposedly had the foresight and they knew, then why can't you teach your kids now? Because you know it all. Well, now things are a little different. Now yeah. I'm more, I'm more accessible when my parents try to tell me something financially mm. because it's come full circle. Yeah, but what I'm saying though, is if you're having those sorts of conversations very early, don't wait till they're a teenager. But they, they don't have the experience yet as parents to give you any viable wisdom. It, it doesn't take massive experience to teach a kid about a piggy bank and saving oh, and all that That's true. Stuff. But it that doesn't, doesn't help me. Sure it does. A piggy bank doesn't help. I had a savings account. I had a checking account. It's, a, it's, about, it's about spending habits. It's about investment, like you suggested. It's about accelerating the bigger decisions in your life and making taking the leaps of faith. So, Take it earlier. Word, take the word acceleration out. It's just teaching them at that time. It doesn't necessarily put them ahead of the game. I mean, ultimately it will in the game of life because no one else is teaching their kids this. But I don't know that it necessarily is an acceleration. When my daughter's 13 or 14, I will expect her to be saving up for her first car. If she's doing that, I will gratuitously meet her and probably match her like a 401k and say, okay, if you're willing to put forth an effort towards what I'm telling you you should be doing financially to get ready for the next stage in your life, then I, if I'm in a situation where I can say this, I will meet you and I will make it so that your first experience here is rewarded if you go about it in the way that I have been taught I should have gone about it. Yeah, dad, but my, my friend Susie, her dad just bought her a car. And then we get into a three hour podcast about why <laughs> Susie is not really going to turn out to be all too much. She might, because all Susie has to do is find a man that will continue to pay her way through life. Well, that's why you're going to be on that same podcast <laughs> explaining this. This will be M1746. She'll always be a daddy's girl. And if daddy has money to do everything, I mean. So I mean, there's there's issues at both ends of the spectrum. So I think there. you got to start it earlier than that. And I don't I don't know what age specifically, but oh man, it's so and tough. I don't even know that a first car is. I mean, you understand, like the generation now is afraid of driving, and most of them wait till they're eighteen, nineteen, twenty before they get a driver's license. I do understand that, 
in some cases I'm lying to get a hardship license so I can drive at 15. <laughs> right. Yeah, I was I was pretty gung-ho about getting a car. I wanted that independence. As that's because we had a lot. But that's because that's that was our escape. Um, of course, in that your daughter may window. not need a car, right? She'll you be know, able to hop self-drive or stick a or pair or of glasses on her head that take her to a highway where she can go to an amusement park or she can go hang out with her friends in avatar form. Oh, that's true too. Yeah, and that it comes down to it when I was thinking when I was thinking about what you're saying and there are differences in our generations of course um, we talk about them vehemently here but one difference that we don't have is that we're both looking forward to having our own vehicle so we can get out of the house and go do whatever we wanted to do if that's not there now it's because partly we've instilled the notion that it's okay to live with your parents until you're 35 40 years old uh the other uh, Part of that is that uh, the world out, out there is a scary, dangerous place. The other part is that you can do everything online that you would want to go do, except for literally eat food and varieties of forms. But you can order it in. We'll have yeah, some every, schlub making eight bucks. You were one of those schlubs. No. No, I you didn't DoorDash. No. Uh, that was our friend Christopher. Yes. Um, so, I mean, there's accommodations for the do-nothing lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. What I'm suggesting is that there won't be those accommodations for a long period of time. Like for in order for things to change in the improved sense. That cushy lifestyle goes away. Yeah, I don't know about that, bro. I think that cushy lifestyle continues to grow. You still have a great deal of parents. Well, then it's utopic and I win it. Okay. Topic in a bad way, in my opinion. Not that is, way. you're right. But we can get to those talks as we get into the utopic state. Why not? Why not be the first podcast that is breaking down our ushering in of a utopic era? And we're just ahead of it. Like, why don't we get ahead of it and start, start uh, criticizing utopia? Or yeah. the way that things are going. Uh, you already are. But but you're criticizing my vision of what it could That's be. That's true. And we're not there yet. We're not nowhere near that. I mean, I might be. <laughs> Personally, in my life. Close to my utopia. Edit. <laughs> There's no way, sir. I don't know. I, I, got, I got a couple of minutes to kill here before we hit three hours. I wanted to hit three hours. I'm, I'm getting everything I ever asked for. Yeah, me too. <laughs> That's good. So we're doing something right. I mean, I could, I could do with a little more money, but um, who knows? Maybe there's a venture awaiting right? for me. Right. All you got to do is uh, keep your eyes peeled, yeah. open-minded, open eyes, open ears. I mean, you can't really close your ears, but you know what I mean. Active listening. That was the article I wrote. Yep, active Trying listening. to, yeah, stay ahead of the game, absolutely. hmm The universe wants you to win, Morgan. I think the universe wants well, everybody hey, to win. Hey, just let me hit the pick six this weekend, and uh, and I win. There are no shortcuts. I know. Who said that? That's me. That's, yeah. why, I know, that's why I put in the work to try to get the, the information. <laughs> to, I'm not taking shortcuts here. 
lottery is a shortcut. Come on. Winning any substantial um, amount of picking money. Picking six shortcut. winners and six horse races is not a shortcut, sir. No, that requires. Oh, pick, pick six. six in horse racing. Gotcha. I thought you meant some lottery thing. Mm. Okay. Like the Texas pick Don't six. Don't play the damn lottery. Right, good. You're right. That does take. Um, I'm buy a ticket when it's up to like $500 because you can't win if you don't play, but <sighs> I, buy, I spend two bucks, four bucks. It's not a terrible thing. Because if I win something like that, all my friends benefit, right? Hey, I'm assuming we're still friends at that, that point. Still be you, what? No, <laughs> you don't know. Power and money change everything, is what I hear. You just said that an hour ago. Well, I, I get you, but I don't have that many friends. I see. Neither do I, and so that's why we would be two people on this board of ten people that I'm suggesting. <laughs> I'll be on the board, but I think you and I would argue all the time, which in my opinion is sometimes the way you get to a resolution resolution of stuff is to have different views. It's just, you know, taking some like management type classes. I've, I've learned that there are just certain personality types that can never see things from a different point of view than their own point of view. And we probably have to recognize who these folks are and not allow them to be in positions of making decisions. And I know that sounds bad, right? (laughs) Sounds bad for you. But because because they have influence, they get elected. Yeah. See, right now, our society benefits people who influence more than... Oh, absolutely. Then people who it benefits people who influence in the wrong ways. Yes. I wouldn't even say the wrong ways. I would just say it just benefits people who influence. Well, you saw the social influencer documentary. Yeah. That's negative influence in a lot of ways. And it's it is, but the, it's manipulable and it's uh completely fabricated 100%. in many senses. Yeah. So it's not even real influence. It's manufactured influence. Yeah, but what sort of the influence I might be talking about is, um, you know, somebody who just, when they're talking, uh, and it doesn't really matter about what they're talking about. It just, it piques your interest. It's a sound, it's a sound they make. It's a cadence. It's, it's charisma about Rhythmic. them. Yeah, you're right. And, and it doesn't necessarily have to be bad, but that could get somebody elected. And that person may not have an ability to look at a viewpoint other than their own on any of the topics, which probably puts them in a position where they really shouldn't be uh, making decisions. I think with that person, you can educate them and they, they're more receptive. No. It, when you I, have I a personality type as an adult, mm-hmm. you, it doesn't change over time. Ah, that's a stigma that I think is incorrect. But you're tar- but in our data-driven society, you've got 50 plus years of these types of things ringing true on old on previous adults, on current adults. But I think that I I do firmly believe that the 30 to 40 year old crowd nowadays is very um, malleable when it comes to. They're not. That's a it's a misconception. But I'm malleable. You're not. I am. If you present something that that shifts my worldview and I have time well, that's to that's because that fits your personality trait. 
but someone who does not have that trait will not change. Yeah, but they'll never see your point of view as to why they need to learn the other side. But what I'm suggesting is that open mindedness is um, an inevitability for everyone. No, it's not. It's not. It's just happening on slow scales for people and they're catching up to what open-minded looked and felt like in 2000, Look, but it's happening. 99% of people are going to tell you they're open-minded, but from a personality standpoint, 90% of the 99% are not open-minded okay. at all. The trans movement or the sexuality movements that we've been seeing in the last 10 years, they can't happen 30 years ago because people would literally get violent with people about that sort of stuff 30, 40 years ago. They're still getting violent with they them. They are, now. but to a I, lesser I don't know degree, that it, it's much more tolerated. T- I don't know if that's true or not. But they have no choice to tolerate it. These people that are against some of the uh, some of the sexuality like paths that are being taken, all they can do is yap about it to their friends about how disgusted they are by it, or right. go to church and and uh, submit themselves to echo chambers that are against it. But elect them and put them in positions where they're making decisions on laws versus that they're not changing their mind. They're not becoming more open-minded. Right. That's why government is dying in the traditional sense. It's not dying. And, and well, a higher form of government that is immune to that is emerging. Does not exist. Will not exist. But it literally does exist based on what you are acceptant of. It's like an emerging. It's not true at all. It's an emerging mentality. It is like this stuff is on a de- it's on a genetic level. Like if you are not, if you chisel away at your racist qualities, or I chisel away at mine, and then we have children, then our racist code is chiseled away at. Our kids are less racist than us because we were less racist than our parents. And that just erodes over time. It doesn't matter that there's a really racist guy in Alabama. Well, he, sure has, does. he has no control over the fact that— He may that, have more influence on them than any than either of the parents. Then, that, then that's something that gets chiseled away and eroded at, too, over time. I don't know. Because you're giving more credit to that one racist guy than the 95 other people who have been working hard over the course of multi-generations to chip away at all their transgressions. Like you're saying the one guy who's still racist is slowing us all down. Yeah. Versus the 95 that are. Because he has influence. Then that's something that gets eroded at too. Negative influence outweighing positive influence. We talked about that. It it can. It can. It it won't. But it has to be. It will resonate with too many It has to be oppressive in order for it to happen like. It has to be oppressive, but it's oppressive to the people who are negative right now. And that, I get it. It's fundamentally, it's still like inherently controlly and 1984, Big Brothery, whatever, all those things. But it's not. <laughs> it's just not. It's just saying like, and. We could tip the seesaw a lot easier if we just do what is the right thing to do. (laughs) But we all have different subjective interpretations of what that means. Right. Yep. Yep.
That's why having, I wonder what the other eight folks are doing right now. (laughs) (laughs) You need to meet them eventually. No, uh, I have been. God, wouldn't that cost money? Yeah, we'll be able to. Gotta sell a couple hey, more hopefully videos. all you guys are have a little cash to be able to fly to Dallas Fort Worth. Maybe they just listen to us and we influence each other without knowing. Yeah, maybe there's that. I will say this in closing, closing and more than ever, I am fully in support of this. We need a, uh, we need a female voice on the show to join us in like the next two to six months. A guest? A recurring guest, kind of like mm-hmm. Miguel is a recurring guest. On weeks where Miguel is in here, we have we have a female voice that allows us to I don't know that okay. catch us yeah, that sure. catches us off guard. Sure. How about that? Okay. How about somebody who wouldn't it be interesting if there was someone out there like who your could, mom? <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> My mom's a one time guest at most here. <laughs> at most. She's going to talk about the C5 alien folks from that documentary, and that's it. Even though, I don't know, maybe. We'll see. No, I mean someone who um, is acclimated not only with this style of conversation. because this Look, is, I don't want my wife on the show all that often. Well, so. the, your wife is a phone-in guest. Okay. So she has, she has her own unique, um, established... She agrees with you too much. Oh, <laughs> Don't don't make me call Kelly right now and just say, hey, do you have a PayPal, Kelly? Can I keep funneling you money? <laughs> yeah, I'll give you her PayPal. To agree account. with me? Oh, yeah, sure. <laughs> It'll be like Morgan and Kelly at gmail.com. <laughs> uh, with a horse race coming up, you probably would do that. I'd be happy to invest your money for you. Here's what I'm thinking. 22 to 22 years old. <laughs> <laughs> I'm joking. Uh, 22 to 30 year old who is acclimated to the style of conversation. This is like an open invitation. Sort then of. she's going to be one weird chick, and sure, awesome, right? Sure, awesome, right? Weird. Noise. Well, I'm putting it out into the universe, and I just hope that they, that it, whatever person, uh, can handle the making fun of. Mm-hmm. The kicking while they're down. Because if they can't, they need to get from you. Out. Yeah. From you. But I would also want that person to have a softer, more optimistic side to them that was willing to listen to utopic like commentary. Oh, I need somebody that just shits on that. <laughs> well, that's why we need a woman because they'll literally probably be the balance that uh, that we're seeking. Mm when it comes I don't to know that. that I'm seeking any balance, but all right. But you just had a three hour conversation about how we need to be in the middle. I am in the middle. Sir. Oh God, you're so not in the middle. I'm right down the middle. You're not in the middle. I'm a realist. No, you're, um, I'm right down the middle. You're, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And no, I'm not. Where have I ever been that? How dare you? Well, then you're where I am and you think that it is broke. But you don't want to fix it. Well, your way of fixing is like we haven't tackled my way. Permanently fixing, like Guido is going to go door to door fixing it. <laughs> so yeah, I'm not on board with your way of fixing, sir. Okay. 
This is an open invitation to any female listeners that we have out there, age 22 to 30. <laughs> Why do they have to be 22 to 30? Because they have to be in I, my I, age group. I think you're limiting it. I, I think you need another, we need another Gen Xer. No. Yeah, we need somebody in the 45 to 50 oh, range. Oh, my God. Tells it like it is. Has some life experience. No. No, we do need a uh, previous generation. We don't have a younger generation you don't uh, contributor here. You don't need one. Why do we need one? We need somebody on the edge. That's why, I don't know, 26, 27 is probably the right age. 26, 27. No 26 or 27-year-old woman in her right mind wants anything to do with our discussions. <laughs> I, mean, I think well, you're living in a, this is utopic thought from you. I think uh, perhaps, but I'm in a utopic mood. So maybe just maybe the universe will listen to my particularities about this and will be granted with exactly what I think takes this show to the next level, which is a few, not that we couldn't do it on our own, because I can turn on the female, feminine voice if I want. Seriously doubt it, but okay. I can if I need to, Morgan. Oh, God. Man, it's too- I don't know about you, man. I, You know, I have a long-running history of being fortunate enough to be in situations where I work with very strong women. Yeah, that's great. That's great. Like, I can't even see it any other way when that's, it comes to that stuff. That's what I'm suggesting. Yeah, I'm suggesting. You're not going to find that at 25, 26, 27. You'd be surprised. They're not there yet. They're You'd not ready yet. You'd be surprised. Let's leave it up to the universe. I mean, they can be strong and willful. I don't know. We'll see. See how the, I don't know if this is going to work out well for you. I think they're the going to. Oh, I think they're going to put you in their place, in your place. They can try. <laughs> my hands are my hands are gearing up for this one. They can try, but you know. Why don't you think this will go well for me? I don't think it'll go well for you. No. <laughs> it's a feeling I get. I don't oh, know. Oh, I like it. Well, it's an intuition I have. Well, I like when things don't go well for me. It won't go well for me either. So I'm oh, this is awesome. Which is fine as long as it doesn't go well for you. Competitive. I like it. Competitive. I'm not winning. You're not winning. Oh, this is going to work out well for us. Okay. Look forward to it. Fantastic. Maybe. What are we on? 63? Let's yeah. do it by the 70s. That's awfully quick. Seven weeks? Unless we take a few weeks off. Yeah. For some upstate gambling. Maybe. <laughs> seven, seven to ten weeks. Okay. And this is purely business. This is not insinuating anything else. This is me. Um, shit, I might even put, uh, I might even put like an ad on social media for it. Who knows? No, you don't want that type of attention. Boy, that's going to draw a super strong person. (laughs) I'm kidding. Uh, Yeah, me too. No, I'm not kidding about the idea. We will have a, uh, I, I think we'll be there in seven to 10 weeks. We need to be able to tackle we need to be able to hear and tackle that perspective on a lot of the stuff we talk about. And we need someone to tell me I'm right most of the time. <laughs> like Kelly. <laughs> <laughs> 
So, meandering 63. We didn't really, uh, we covered a lot, but we didn't talk about JFK. Was there something else going on there? Or you just get shot in the in the head by one guy? Just give me quick, 30 seconds. Yeah, Thoughts on JFK? Absolutely, Oswald. All right. Well, we already knew that was coming. So, uh, yep. Non-conspiracy theorist Morgan strikes again. Awesome. Moving on to 64 next week. We'll see what we have to talk about then. We'll be one week closer to meandering with Morgan and Sasha. One week closer to episode 69. That would be the intro episode. (laughs) Of course, you're misogynistic. (laughs) It's not misogynistic. It's just, no, I'm more about like like multiple meanings and and cute little uh, cliches. I don't know if that's cute. It's funny for me, but it's not necessarily funny for you. Because you're an old fart. Meandering with Morgan, Sasha, and Mystery Girl? We'll get there when we get there. Have a great night, Mongolia. (laughs) See you guys. Later.